0: Joe Rogan Podcast, check it out. The Joe Rogan
1: Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan podcast by night. All day. Have you ever seen an NFT? In the yeah. flesh? Seen one? That's a, that's an NFT. Oh, very cool. Oh. Did you ever know? Sorta. Sorta? Of? Yeah. I didn't I've well, never seen a, a physical one. That's like a a visual representation. Right. Yeah, of A good. physical an NFT. digital one. Yeah. I mean, the actual NFT, does that come with that? Do I have to like scan? It Is or that you something? and Marshall? Yeah. No, no, that's Elon. It's called, it says Giga Chad. The idea, I don't know why that, what, what Giga Chad is. Maybe like, we should save this for the podcast. We are podcasting. Are we? Yeah, it's rolling. <laughs> <laughs> that's how we roll. Um, but it's uh, this guy, Beeple. Do you know who Beeple is? I do know who yeah. Beeple is. Uh, Beeple was here the other day. and, and he, No way. Uh, yeah, he gave me that. It's the shit. He's cool as fuck. He's a fun guy. I can't wait to hear that one. That's he's really fun. His Just art is badass, amazing. Dude. It's amazing. Crazy. I mean he puts out a piece every day. I didn't know. One that. piece of artwork every day, and he's done that for
2: twelve years. Some of the stuff he did like I like I um I follow him him on Instagram, like after he sold that one for sixty million, I was like, Who the yeah. hell is this dude, right? So I did the full deep dive in his Instagram and stuff and and um like above your, you know, like above your normal feed when you look at all the boxes. There's like all the different things you can click on. There's like past stories and stuff. He had this really neat like digital moving art of like these big babies with like weird people's heads on yeah, them yeah, yeah. Were, like, going through the streets and yeah. wild out there stuff. But it was cool, <laughs> man. So creative and. Insane. Yeah, uh, all of his stuff is like that. It's all just like really true. But it's so funny when you
1: talk to him. He's like, people are trying to find mini m- hitting meaning. I was I don't know what the fuck it means. He goes, I just made it. I don't know what it means. It's a, like, he had one of them with a bunch of dicks on like missile silos <laughs> and there were there were dicks. He goes, it's just a bunch of dicks. I don't know what I'm doing. It's just Not there's no fucking hitting meaning. It's just dicks. Oh, yeah. Like this is, look at this. Yeah. Hillary and, and Trump and they're spraying milk as they walk down the street as a robot. Like, look at this one. God. It's so insane, but that's all of his stuff. It's all like really bizarre. Wow, but so interesting. Yeah, it, this one is the one with Zuckerberg. Yeah, the, with tits. Yeah, and a, a, a robot spider-looking thing body. I mean, look at this. One. It's intense, dude. Look at this one it's this, intense. It's a Trump mask, and it's spraying stuff out of its vagina hole and giving birth <laughs> to Hillary Clinton. It's like, what the hell, bro? Yeah,
2: it's kind of disturbing. Oh, yeah. But super creative and and cool like the the art is in, in, incredible. Look at this one. Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah. And it it's it's way more palatable when you meet him. You're like, "Oh,
2: you're not a serial killer." What like- <laughs> seriously, right? And like where does he okay. get his inspiration? Is he just like on acid all day long? Like No, he's just an artist. I mean,
1: he actually like was panicking when I gave him a glass of scotch. I was wow. was like, "Oh, Jesus. Oh boy. What wow. are we doing here?" Oh. Like one glass of whiskey, and he was a little nervous. Right? His, his mind his, oh, his mind's brilliant. that's crazy. Well, he's just a great artist, and he's also like super dedicated. I mean he puts out one of those every single day.
2: Christmas, New Year's, Halloween, doesn't matter, every day. Isn't that weird if you if you asked a hundred different people in America if they could if they know what an NFT is and know how to explain it, there'd be such a low percentage that actually would, and yet that like this this dude named Beeple like sold the 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 most expensive artwork in history, right? Well, NFT. yeah, it's not the most expensive artwork, but it's the most
1: expensive NFT. The most expensive artwork is well more crazy than that. The most expensive painting, I believe, is that really controversial um, painting that they they're trying to credit it with being a Leonardo da Vinci, but I think it's in dispute, and then it's also in dispute as to how many people painted it. it might be more than one it's salvador yeah it's
0: right 450 $450. million yeah 450 million dollars
1: but wow but the thing is like someone bought it and they bought it you know the history of this it's a crazy salvador monday this this is a crazy uh story someone bought it really cheap and while when they had it it was like painted over And then they hired someone to do a restoration of it, which means like whatever the paint that was over it, they slowly, meticulously remove. And as they did that, they discovered there was a spectacular painting underneath it. So that's what it used to look like, like when it was all fucked up and there was like paint all over it and shit. Well, when they restored it and they realized what was underneath it, they started calling it the male Mona Lisa, but it's really controversial because some people don't believe that it's a Leonardo da Vinci and some people believe that multiple people painted it. Like There's a different, a different time period where the, the hand was painted versus the rest right. of the painting and they think that like somebody might have painted it after the fact. And so they were going to put it in the Louvre in Paris right next to the Mona Lisa. That's what the, the guy who owns it wanted them to do. And they were like, "Yeah, we don't know if this is real. We can't do that." And that's a huge problem. That's a huge problem. So he's got it on his fucking giganto yacht. So it's in some sort of, you know, climate-controlled
2: environment on a yacht, a four hundred fifty million dollar painting. <laughs> a four hundred fifty million dollar painting uh, that you don't even know if it's authentic or not. Well, it's, and it's real it's super, controversial. Like, disputable.
1: Yeah, because like there's a lot of people that are really good at faking yeah. um, historical artists. Like there was one documentary that i remember watching of this one guy who's ex- incredibly talented artist who can mimic the way picasso painted the way rembrandt painted and yeah. he would develop these fakes and they were so good and they would sell them as like a lost picasso and right. they'd be
2: worth like a shitload of money and that's a problem a fucking well, big one. and think about it that's that's like you know that's like that's a huge reason that's the that's kind of the power of the NFT, right? Is it's like ver- like verifiable authenticity. Like yeah. that's never going to happen again in the art world like, like that. Right. Like when you look up that NFT, it's going to tell you exactly when it was created, exactly when it was sold, who it was sold from, who it was sold to. Yeah. And it's verifiable, right? So forever in the future, you'll know exactly that NFT will, will explain everything when you look at it on the blockchain. And it's got a QR code,
1: which yeah.
2: I don't know what happens if you scan it. It's
1: like trip. I like it I like it did you buy that no no he gave it to me for free
2: for free is that something that I
0: was gonna say the uses go beyond art art is the first use for an NFT right
2: contracts
0: receipts
2: it's the most obvious one right but like all like airplane like your like your boarding pass and all this stuff in the future will be NFTs I've been kind of down a rabbit hole, like an NFT rabbit hole. Have you? recently. Yeah. Are you gonna bit. start selling them? No, but I have really good friends that like live in the metaverse, and they oh, they like buy and sell NFTs. They're like like um, NFT traders and stuff. It's pretty interesting.
1: Yeah, Jamie was explaining to me that the metaverse, the way um, fucking Zuckerberg has yeah. done it, he just capitalized the letter. Yeah, then, it's
0: a different. It's like a, they bought they they're starting the brand. Of metaverse, but that is that's like starting the brand of the internet right now. Like yeah, you it's can't like, do that.
1: How do you do that? How is he doing? Or
0: well, they're trying to, you know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it's it was already a thing. Like the term metaverse was already a thing, and they they own it now. Yeah,
0: they took over someone's Instagram account. Oh, they, they just did?
1: took it. Just took it. Yeah. <gasps> really?
0: Some girl had she's had it for a while, I guess.
1: And did she get pissed? We should. I,
0: I tried to look up what happened. Like if they gave her money or something. They but I don't, They just
1: took it. <laughs> they better give her money. Imagine if they didn't. Well, they own Instagram, though. That's oh, I'm sorry, the problem. I'm
0: sorry. They, they took hers and gave it back, but they took the meta one, which was run by like a motorcycle bag.
1: But the they mic. own it. See, they right, own yeah. Instagram,
2: which is fucked. So I he's like, it. yeah, guess what? I own it. Yeah, that's I own my, that. Shane <laughs> this Dorian? Is my property.
1: That's a funny thing, Shane Dorian, because that's my name. <laughs> my changing. name's Shane Dorian. <laughs> Just fucking steal your shit. Yeah, it's odd, right? It's very odd. Like some guy had Joe Rogan. His, his actual name was Joe Rogan. So I had to buy it from him. I bought it from him, like, Nine years ago, whatever, the, whenever I started Instagram, when I started Instagram,
0: oh, yeah, didn't you have Joe Rogan dot net for a while? Or something yeah, something then? like that. Yeah. I think
1: I had Joe Rogan Experience. Okay, I had like the name of the podcast, and then I found him, like I got a
2: hold of him, and he wasn't even using it. I forget what I gave him. And for was it. he cool?
1: Yeah, nice guy.
2: Imagine the value inflation from the last nine years of what that what that would have cost for Instagram. You know?
1: Yeah. Well, also like back like. Joe Rogan experience didn't have that, that many followers when I did it. It was like pr- I was pretty new to Instagram. Yeah. I, Everlast talked me into it. Everlast from the House of Pain. I was just on Twitter only, and then he's like, "Man, you got to get on this Instagram." I'm like, "What is this? Just pictures? Why is that a big deal?" And that's all I use now. I barely. I don't even. I I post things to Instagram that eventually go to Twitter. I I posted one time. Maybe I repost things like if someone has like a cool article or something. Is on Twitter? Yeah, I'll repost things. Something's something's interesting.
2: Twitter's sketchy.
1: Yeah, I went to look at my Twitter and I look like a crazy COVID person because uh, there's so many of the things I'm retweeting are about COVID. <laughs>
2: it's right, like, oh, I'm obsessed with and COVID it creates all the time. It, it like it like creates an echo chamber, right? That's like the whole like thing about Twitter.
1: It definitely does. Yeah, there's a lot of people on there that are just uh, speaking to the choir. It's funny because, like, you can tell based on someone's you know who they are how people are going to respond to the things they write. You know, like if someone is uh, politically, you know, very left wing, if they get trolled a lot, though, that's what's interesting. So, like, they'll post something, and if they don't control who uh, comments, you'll see, like, whenever a politician posts something, you get a bunch of the people that oppose them on the other side just attacking them and mocking them and belittling them. It's just super unhealthy way to communicate all of it. <laughs> It is. And there's not that many people on it either. That's the thing. There's a lot of people because there's a lot of people in the world. But in terms of like most people in the country, Twitter's not the real world. But the people on Twitter, it's their world. It's the whole world. It's like they're so obsessed because so many people on because t- Twitter's so addictive. So many people who are on Twitter are on it all yeah. the fucking time, constantly checking. And so anything negative or positive that happens on Twitter, they think spills over into the real world and For sure. like real. You know, real measurable ways.
2: And how the algorithm works, how it, like, creates an echo chamber in your feed, yeah. it allows you to think that the way you think is the way everybody thinks. Because everybody, you know, all this stuff, like, populates into your feed. Like, if you're, yeah. you know, whatever your, your political views are or your religious views are, you just end up having... That's all in your feed. So, like, Uh you walk out of your Twitter world and you think everyone thinks like you. And when they don't, don't. you start hating those people instead of just having, like, a disagreement with their views and their ideology.
1: Well, that's what's going on clearly in the polarized parts of our country, whether it's polarized on the right or polarized on the left. They, they think that everybody should think their way. Oh, I should point this out while we're talking about this. Um, there's a bunch of people that have been saying that um, Peter McCullough, the, guy, the doctor that was on the other day, is complaining about being censored on the internet because the podcast has been removed from uh, YouTube and some other places that he uploaded it. I just talked to Peter, and that's not him. So it's someone imitating him. Now, whether or not it's someone on his team that's imitating him and he doesn't know about it, but the posts from his account that are complaining about being censored, he had no idea what I was talking about when I talked to him, he was like rattling off those things, studies, and this thing, and I've got this new study, and this new data, and he's just being like how he was in the podcast, just like super nerded out on, you know, (laughs) medical statistics, and he had no idea, so yeah, um, the whole Twitter thing and social media is very confusing, there's people pretending to be me, and I've tried to do something about it, but I don't know what to do with it, there's multiple people pretending to be me, and uploading things. He goes, I was not aware that it has been uh, removed, or even re-uploaded, and I just, I don't have time for that. I'm in the middle of a conference right now, and I'm doing a conference now I'm speaking to 100 doctors. We're going, And he's like rattling off data to me. And the dude's just a
2: fucking freight train of information.
1: <laughs>
2: I can't wait to listen to that one. I it's had a good about, one. I had about, I don't know, like six or eight people send me send me the link to it already. So It's a good one. But out. I
1: just want everybody to know it is not Dr. Peter McCullough that is complaining about censorship. And if the podcast gets uploaded anywhere else, whether it's YouTube or Rumble and it gets taken down... It's not being taken down because of censorship. It's being taken down because Spotify owns the podcast. Spotify licensed the podcast for the years that I'm on Spotify, so you can't upload it anywhere else. It doesn't mean it's being censored. It means you got to go to Spotify to watch it. It's available for free for everybody, but you know, Spotify's paying for it. That's why you can't just fucking upload it to places. I feel like everybody has Spotify. It's not hard to get, you know. It's fucking it's very simple. Yeah. There's another thing that people need to know. Here's another thing. There's a bunch of people that are saying that Spotify is, uh, they're, they're in dispute with comedians and they're not paying comedians, so they're removing comedians off of their platform instead of paying them royalties. It's quite a bit more complicated than that. And here's what I know. There's a company that is, they're claiming they represent all these comedians, but they don't. And they're reaching out to spotify as representatives of these comedians how do i know this because they're claiming to represent me and they don't they have no business with me and yet they're they were claiming to represent me so i don't know what the fuck is going on but because of the complaints i've reached out to spotify to go hey this what is this what's what's happening here give me the real story and then i got from my managers that these people are actually claiming they represent you which is 100% not true. So there's some fuckery going on. And most likely it's someone who's trying to like, do something and make it look like they're in business with all these high profile people, and then do something with the royalties and try to get money for these people, maybe take a piece of it or something. I don't know what the deal is, but I do know whoever these people are, they're pretending that they represent me when they fucking for sure don't. So there's that.
2: There's a lot of misinformation out there these days there is and, and cutting through the bullshit is so hard it's yeah. difficult it's more complicated than ever it, and i think it's by design
1: it well i don't know if it's by design it's just it's conf- the world is fucking confusing yeah you know this digital world that we live in is like god damn it there's so much going on there's so many platforms and there's so much fucking material floating around and nfts and, and, and nfts <laughs> everybody has a podcast do you know there's two million goddamn podcasts now what? Two million. Two million. And, well, Jamie, wasn't there like one million at the start of the pandemic?
0: I'll check now. It's probably two and a half million or something. It
1: though. grows like a fucking weed. Everybody has everybody's a podcast. Everybody's got a podcast. Yeah, everybody's got yeah. one. I have people coming on my shows, uh, to my comedy shows, yelling out, will you be on my podcast? I'm like, no, what? <laughs> Who are you? Yeah, what what is happening?
0: April, there was two million, so.
1: Yeah, probably by now there's like way more. Yeah, May, June, is. July, August, September, October, November. Oh my God, December. oh my God, It's probably like another, hundred, another yeah. million. the
0: same website. It didn't really update the, the, the site, so I think it's kind of done by AI. It's but a year
1: before that, it was only one million, or a year and a half before yeah. that. Wh- whatever the when the pandemic started, I remember we were having a conversation, I was like, how many podcasts are there?" And then we Googled it, and it was like 900 something thousand, so it was like close to That's a million. crazy. that's all
2: that's already so many
1: crazy
0: this is 4.5 million total podcasts registered around the world according to podcastindex.org.
2: and joe rogan's number one that's crazy though think about how nuts that is it's funny one of my really really good friends has a podcast and uh and he said you know we do my podcast and i said no he's my really (laughs) good friends (laughs) he's all what you go on joe rogan's podcast and you can't do mine and you're like one of my best friends and uh but he's the kind of guy he's one of these guys who s- likes to start things but doesn't follow through all the time so yeah. i told him i said i'll do your 100th episode ah. so you got to prove to me that you're serious about this whole podcast thing cuz you know a podcast can be easy to start but yeah. you know having like a like a track record having like hundreds and hundreds of podcasts a lot of people give up before then right that's like everything though that's like workouts diets well i know. just figured it was important to yeah get my message across that
1: I, <laughs> <laughs> My time is serious, bitch. Yeah, dude. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, if you, I mean, you have a family, you have work yeah. obligations, you're a surfer. Surfing must eat up a lot of fucking
2: time. Not enough. I love surfing. So, yeah, it doesn't eat up enough time, but <laughs> That's it does. Awesome. It's, it's time consuming and. You know, I mean, it's one of those things in my life that I wish I could do even more than I than I already do That is
1: so awesome that that's what you do for a living I love hearing that because like that's what everybody should strive for something that you love doing that you've been doing Like you've been surfing for like how many years now? I'm 49. I started when I was five
2: (laughs) So a shit ton of time So 44
1: years of doing something and you can't get enough of it. That's fucking amazing. Yeah That's life right there if you can nail that if you could find a thing that you love for 40 plus years
2: and you can't get enough of it think of that four decades four decades of something that i'm like wildly passionate about still like i'm like insanely in love with surfing like it's so it's it's like it's it's like a massive part of my life you know you know how they say like you know like it's this is what you do but it's not who you are like with surfing i feel like it's it's who I am. Well, right you fucked your knee up uh, yeah. pretty bad
1: snowboarding. Um, Why don't you explain what that's happened? A
2: good, that's a good way to say it. Yeah. You, you really mangled that fucker, huh? I fucked up my knee bad. I was, uh, I was snowboarding in Mammoth, California with my son Jackson last winter, and um, they had 10 feet of snow in three days. Whoa. 10 feet snow in three days like we like we parked our car went to sleep woke up in the morning and our car was like a mound of snow it was like it was like it was was like a 12-foot mound of snow and my car was in there anyway i was following him down the hill and he didn't realize how close i was behind him and we were flying going super super fast and then he just stopped on a dime (gasps) to stop to wait for me he thought i was like 100 yards behind him or whatever no i was right behind him which is my fault you should never do that but i didn't really know that so I was right on top of him instantly, and a snowboard's deadly, right? Like, super sharp edges, and I just went, like, I was on my, my toe edge, so I just couldn't, like, stop instantaneously, and I was going to run right into him, so I literally just tried to jump over him, because I didn't want my board to hit him and, like, oh my God. kill him. And uh, it all, I had to, like, make this choice super fast in split second, and so literally he just stopped, and I was right on top of him, and I jumped to get over him, and he was standing next to a tree, and my, oh, my legs went Christ. right around, right around the tree. Oh. It was one of those like instantaneous, oh. like it all happened so quick, but it was like oh. almost in slow motion as I like fell into the snow and just went the, the like the next year flashed before my eyes like, holy shit. All this fun shit that I really, really wanted to do just evaporated into the thin air. Oh. And what was the damage? Uh, I had full tears on my ACL and MCL. So it was proper fucked meniscus Um, as well my meniscus was fine oh that's lucky my cartilage is fine that's lucky that's the tough stuff i was lucky super super lucky in that way incredibly fortunate and i'm grateful for that and it was super cool i um got off the mountain the the ski patrol came and got me it was funny like my friend's like man maybe it's not that bad i'll just i'll just get you up and you can see what it feels like and i'm like still strapped into my snowboard so he picks me up my buddy chris he picks me up and and I'm like, it's screwed. And my knee's screwed. And he's like, well, you don't know. It just could be, like, s- swollen. <laughs> and he, when you know, you know. But I stood up, and, you know, you're like. So instantly I, like, moved, like, an inch, and my knee was, like, just jelly. It was like oh. there was nothing there. And I just sat back. And ski patrol took me down the mountain. And so I Facetime my buddy Warren Kramer, who's an incredible surgeon, And I FaceTimed him and he goes, dude, get in your car tomorrow morning early, drive down here, we'll get you, um, you know, we'll get you scanned, figure it out. But I, for sure, it's bad by the, by the sound of it. And, you know, he had me move it all these different ways. And as soon as I got on his table the next morning, he goes, you have a blown ACL and a blown MCL, complete (sighs) tears. And I was like, how would you know that? He literally was just feeling it and like, you know, like manipulating my leg. Yeah. And he goes. I mean, thank God I was friends with him. Um, he goes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna squeeze you into my surgery schedule in the next two days. And so I was from like in the mountain wrapped around a tree to in surgery. My my wife Lisa got on a flight the next day or that day from Hawaii to fly out for my uh, for my surgery and take care of me and all that. But it sucked. The um, ACL. Did they use a cadaver? They used my patellar tendon for both. Oh, for both. And they bored they bore holes out of my I'm going to totally botch this. So I'm not going to try it. Yeah, explain I had a patellar exactly tendon graft. Right.
1: They bore holes out of your knee and your shin. Yeah. And they pull the piece of bone and they use that to screw it back right. in place as and your That's your why ACL. it's so strong. And your yeah. body
2: accepts the the, pate- the the patellar tendon as a ligament, correct?
1: Yeah. I mean, it'll, it'll definitely accept it as a ligament. What it, what it actually works on, the same way the cadaver does, what happens is it, your body re-proliferates re-prol- it. So it probably accepts it easier because it's already a part of your body. But when you get a cadaver ga- graft, what happens is, so they put, with mine, they used a Achilles tendon. I had both done. So I had one done with a patella tendon graft and one done with a, a cadaver. The cadaver was way easier to recover, way easier, huh. And uh, it did, like way, way less invasive. So they put it in there, and then you have a dead guy's uh, Achilles tendon in your inside your knee, so you're a part dead guy. And then your body reproliferates it with its own cells, and it takes like, you know, six to nine months for that to fully happen. But the problem is you start feeling pretty good, Like a couple months in and a lot of guys, especially a lot of fighters, they blow their knee out a a second time Yeah, because they they go too soon. They practice too soon.
2: Yeah, I don't know if it's because I'm older now or whatever, but it's taken taken a long time. It's been about 10 months. It takes a long time. My uh, left knee, which I did with a patella
1: tendon graft, uh, it was about a year before it felt right. Like a year. And then even after that, when I would kneel on something, like if I'm doing jujitsu and I'm on my knees, it
2: hurts. Just like the surface of it hurts. Well, and a couple of months ago, I was expecting it to already be pretty good by that point, you know, say like eight months in or seven months in, but it didn't feel right. It felt like it just did not feel right. I could never imagine it ever being back to a hundred percent. that's when I talked to you and you were like, Hey, get to Austin. Um, and I was coming here anyway, you know, with my son to go surfing in the wave pool. And, um, and you said let's let's get some stem cells in that thing, and um, it was like night and day. In about a week, it was a whole lot better.
1: Yeah, we got you into Ways to Well, um, and uh, my boy Brigham, he's awesome. He's awesome. And uh, Denise, uh, and they got you uh, a gang of stem stem cells and shot them in there. I knew it was going to help. It just it just helps, you know. It's the the technology. And the what, where, where medicine is at now with biologics, like stem cell uh, recovery, it's all been like people that are skeptical about it. There's a guy named Dr. Neil Reardon. He's written many books on it, and there's many papers written on the effects of it. It's not nonsense. It's real. I had a full-length rotator cuff tear in my, my right shoulder. It's completely gone. No, no surgery. It just completely disappeared. Completely healed
2: back up because of stem cells. I feel like there's some injuries where stem cells would be super effective, but it's not like you know, like Robitussin has that. Like, put <laughs> Robitussin on it. That's like, an old Eddie Murphy yeah. bit. Yeah. So like, so like, I think there's some injuries that like stem cells may not do that much, but for like my knee or your rotator cuff, I mean, if for I'm like a true believer now. Oh, there I'm was so much friction in my knee before before mm-hmm. we we did that that day. Um, it just felt so like, I don't know, like clicky and stiff and like lots of friction, like I said. And then all of a sudden just felt like lubricated, like it was being supported from the inside. It was pretty awesome. For, for those who don't have never tried stem cells for for anything, it's, I'm I'm baffled by it.
1: No, it's amazing. My wife had a, a labrum, um, like a worn labrum. It was like, um, I forget what it's called, a frayed labrum. That's what it was in her hip. And she was really worried that she was going to have to have surgery because a friend of ours, uh, his wife, had a very similar issue. She was a dancer. And she was all set up for surgery. They were all set up for surgery and they said, let's just try stem cells before the surgery. So they gave, not my wife, my friend's wife, they gave her stem cells and she was like scheduled for surgery. They gave her stem cells and then when they went in for surgery to look at it, like there's no injury here anymore. So they did an invasive, uh, non-invasive with, you know, they do like a little scope to yeah. go in there. Like the injury's gone. And she was already saying that the pain had stopped happening. So all of the fray, uh, all of the, the tear in the labrum had healed itself from stem cells. And the same thing happened to my wife. Like she had this frayed labrum and it was like really fucking with her. She had one shot of stem cells in there. And then like a couple months later, there's no more pain. It would just it healed itself. It's amazing what they can do. I mean, it's not everything. You can't fix everything with it. But you can most certainly fix things that you were fucked just five years ago or ten years ago. And I think ten years from now, they'll probably have it even better. And if you go to other countries, they can do wild shit. Like, I have friends that go down to Colombia and to Peru and Panama, and they get stem cells down there. And holy jabezus, they can just do all kinds of crazy shit. They just have you down there for three or four days and just keep shooting you up. Yeah. And I don't know if it's dangerous. I mean, I don't know why they can't do it in America. I'm not sure. I'm not sure, like, what the rub is. But the FDA gets in the way and cock blocks the stem cells.
2: Well, there's some fishy stuff out there that people are hawking. And and there's some doctors that are, you know, like the stem cells thing, like I was saying this morning, is like a side hustle for some of these guys. And so I was, like, pretty kind of skeptical. And and honestly, thank you for inviting me out here to do it oh my pleasure because I probably wouldn't have done it if you hadn't and um, I I actually went and met with a couple doctors about my back years ago um, about stem cells and the guys were sketch and and (laughs) you could tell it was like a lucrative side hustle for them and so I was so, so psyched to, you know, like meet the ways to well, guys. They're so legit and so super professional and, and just like talking to them. And I just like my personal experience has been insane. So thank you.
1: My, my pleasure. Psyched. My buddy, John Wolf, who's the head trainer over at the honor gym, he went down to Columbia for his back. He went to the uh, bioaccelerator. Yeah, bioaccelerator people. And they shot stem cells into his discs in his spine into all the discs that he was having issues with and he's like my god he's like they told me it was going to get worse before it got better because it'll be inflamed because of the treatment he goes but honestly it really didn't hurt that bad but within a couple of weeks i started noticing i have more range of motion more range of motion is back conceivably what they think they can do, whether they can do it now. It's, it's hard to say what they're, what they're actually capable of doing in these other countries where they you know, have like way more leeway to try yeah. things out. But conceivably in the future, they're going to be able to inject into the discs itself and you will grow more disc material. So for people like wow. me that have had like a lot of back trauma- like I've had up from jujitsu in particular. Yeah. Everybody I know that does jujitsu has fucked up backs. Wow, they all have fucked up discs because your discs shrink right. from just getting just smushed. All the, yeah, and they call it um, disc degeneration disease, but it's not really a disease. It's not like you have tuberculosis. It's more wear and tear. It's just tear, yeah. and, and and your disease, your 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 uh, discs shrink. And the problem is doctors want to just start fusing everything. There's a lot of doctors, yeah. I and mean, some doctors are more. They're they're looking at the the body as, like, a holistic unit and, like, let's just keep everything healthy and let's see what we can do, alternative to surgery to try yeah. to help you. But a lot of doctors are like, it's time to cut. And right. I have friends that have had back surgery, and the moment that they got out of back surgery, other things started going wrong with their back. And then it was like a cascade. It just kept happening. And they've had like three, four, five back surgeries where they have a bunch of discs that are fused together in their back. So their whole back is like this, and they're like a fucking a robot. And then they have all sorts of weird problems. Like I have one friend, one of his calves is atrophied because the nerves wow. from the inflammation in his back surgery, there was a, it was an issue, it went wrong. And so his fucking calf is not getting the signals. So his calf like shriveled up like a bone. So one of his calves is like a fucking bone. Oh jeez! Oh, it's it's rat, and he's a, a big fucking burly dude, and he's like a, this one bullshit leg. It's crazy. Well,
2: I'm grateful for I'm 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 back. I'm surfing. I'm back in the water, and I'm so happy. Was, That's like, awesome. Pretty gnarly. The whole uh the, the whole the surgery sucked. It was I had an amazing surgeon and a really good experience with that, but like it hurt like a bastard. I mean, like horrible horribly sore. Remember that? Remember that scene in? uh, remember Kathy Bates? She was oh, in that yes. really well-known. Misery. Misery. Remember oh. when he wakes up and she has like a sledgehammer? Yeah. And she goes whack to his leg. Ah. That's what I felt like. That's what my knee felt like. I felt like someone took a sledgehammer to it. Oh my God. When I, when I, when I woke up back, you know, like in the, in my, in my, in my, in my buddy's house after surgery, the pain was excruciating. And then they had me in on, uh, Percocets, I think. Mm. And, um, I got off them as soon as I could, but oh, just hate pain medication, all that shit. It's just gross. And now I'm like back surfing, my knee's feeling better. I got a really, really, really great, uh, like a killer Physical therapist custom knee brace that I wear surfing. Oh, nice. Yeah, so... And it doesn't impede your movement? No, not really. That's not great. All. It's, yeah. So it's fit to the size it's, of your knee Yeah, and it's everything. totally customized to the size of my leg, the size of my knee, the bones and everything. So, Oh, that's, that's great. great. So you can do stuff while it's healing and yeah. it protects it. Yeah. That's and I great. wear it hunting and everything. My, oh, my that's knee brace. awesome. So I can hunt in, you know, gnarlier terrain and walk up and down steep mountains. And if I fall and eat crap, I don't hurt my knee. And so,
1: like, right now there's no pain in it. Is it? Does no it pain. feel
2: weaker a
1: little bit of weakness, yeah. For A little sure bit of weakness?
2: Yeah. I mean my the size of my thigh went down like I think I lost like an inch of the of my like the like the circumference of my my thigh muscle and my just my leg right there um by about an inch. Isn't in the that first like how quick in the first happens? like three weeks. Like immediately. Yeah. just it's like your away. brain turns off the signal to your your muscles, like, okay, I want to shut this thing off.
1: Well that was what was happening to my friend's calf. Yeah. It's weird. Like, yeah. But I've had other, like, I don't want to, like, shy people completely away from back surgery. Like, my buddy Eddie Bravo, his back was fucked. He had no disc tissue. There was nothing in between the two. It was just bone on bone on his back. He was excruciating pain all the time. And then they replaced it with a, a titanium disc. They put an artificial disc, and it works. It means he doesn't have any real
2: issues. It was a little sore for a while and, you know, took a while to rehab it, but it works. Think of all the shit, all the, all the injuries that, that we've had and our friends have had that like 50, 60, 80 years ago, you basically would have just been like a cripple oh, yeah. for the rest of your life. Oh, yeah. And now they're just like, oh, yeah, just I'm feeling great. I'm Back to snowboarding. Yeah. yeah you, you would have no fucking needs. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. I'm going snowboarding next month. I can't wait. I'm Why so excited. Are you doing that again? Because snowboarding rules. Oh, it's amazingly God. awesome. I had And one... my, my kid is obsessed with it now. And my, oh. I'm going to take my wife. My wife loves snowboarding. So we're going to go to Colorado and I'm going to just chill. No more trees. Everybody says that. And no then more you start aerials. Having
1: fun. You start fucking coasting, and you just yeah.
2: I'm gonna keep my snowboard on the snow, no airs, no cliffs, no trees. I'm gonna snowboard with with my daughter Charlie. So we'll I had a similar it a chill.
1: Similar accident to what you had where someone was in front of me and I had I didn't want to hit them Uh, It was some lady was skiing and she didn't know what she was doing and she sort of just slid backwards Uncontrollably into the trail and I was coming around the corner I was like fuck and it was either hit this lady and wipe her out or Find a way to fall and so I found a way to but it was not good because it was kind of icy and so my my skis went out from under me head first bang my fucking head on the ground fuck my leg up one up cracking my shin bone Wow yeah and I got a concussion and uh I was like delirious all day I was like f- I-, I went to sit on the uh you know the chair comes around I went to sit on it and I timed it wrong and I just fell down and I couldn't figure out how to get up like I was so loopy from being KO'd almost yeah I mean I was awake I never went out cold but I was definitely concussed and so this lady had to like help me get up like a dork Like, I couldn't get up with skis on. I was, like,
2: struggling, and I was holding up the line. I'm going to keep doing all the stuff I love to do. I don't love skiing. I don't care how dangerous it is. I mean, I do, to a a point, but I just, it's, I don't know. I'm at the point in my life where I'm like, if I like to do it, I'm going to do it. I get it. I get that. I just have never gotten skiing. To
1: me, it's like, don't get hurt, don't get hurt, don't get hurt, don't get hurt. Didn't get hurt. Try it again. And the only reason why I go at all is because my family likes it. My kids love it.
2: I've been snow. I've been snowboarding for decades and never really had a serious injury at all. Like really, no yeah. Well, maybe that one could have been prevented if you just were a little bit more cautious, yes, right? For sure, hundred percent. And I'm very chill these days. I'm not. I I know it's dangerous, so I I snowboard safe. Have you ever? You can always get taken out by a big lady sliding into you, though. Like yeah.
1: <laughs> well, she wasn't a big lady. That was part of the problem. She was a small lady. I I did not want to kill her. Right. I mean, I was coming around the corner, and this lady just was like backwards like sliding like right into the trail I'm like fuck and yeah i'm always was...
2: terrified when you go from one run to the other yeah that's when you get taken oh, yes. out yes
1: yes yes <laughs> yeah uh, that's why people are sliding down yeah and you're like trying to merge yeah i've seen some gnarly ones but um uh the, the just injuries like that man are like they're wake-up calls they're of how fragile your body is like you don't yeah. really pay that much
2: attention to it until something gets injured and you're like, God, everything is so soft and mushy. I was listening to a podcast with you and Sanjay Gupta this morning when I was in the gym. And you guys started, I didn't get to that part, but you guys started talking about how you did uh, Taekwondo. Is that right? Yes. And then you, you stopped doing it because of you were your, your fearful about your brain being injured? That was,
1: yeah. That was, there was a, definitely a lot of uh, head trauma from that, but it was really more when I started kickboxing. That's when I really started thinking about it. Because in um, kickboxing, we're sparring a lot, and you're getting hit in the head a lot. And gym fights, there's something that I just pulled up. Um, Jamie, see if you can find this, I think I saved it, but they're essentially saying that uh, gym trauma, like trauma from getting punched. Oh, go to the UG on Instagram. There was an article. And I think they linked to the article. But they're saying that as much as 10 times the damage you get from fights, guys are getting from the gym. So the amount of... Yeah. Yeah. From the gym. Because they spar so hard in the gym. And you're doing it all the time. Like, there's a lot of guys. And I grew up at a time where people were not aware of CTE like they are now. They. They thought people had brain damage if they were punch drunk, but they really thought it was after you got knocked out too many times. They didn't realize that it's just from accumulation of sub-concussive blows. So there is This is a study. A new study finding MMA fighters take 10 times more head trauma in training compared to fights. 10 times. So think about all these fights that you see where people are in these crazy wild wars. And now imagine that they get ten times more of that trauma in the gym. There's Cub Swanson just fucking winding wow. up. Yeah.
2: So did you have like some brain injuries that you were spooked by and that's that's why or, or you just were like, Hey, this is this is like sketchy going forward. I need to like mellow out on this stuff. I had a lot of headaches,
1: bad yeah. headaches after sparring. Like I, I remember one time I was lying in bed. This is this guy that I used to spar with all the time, who uh, he, it's kind of a crazy he's a crazy story. He went I knew him when he was younger. And we were both, like, the same age, and then he went to jail. And then um, four or five years later, he got out of jail, and uh, he was, like, a totally different person. He, he got out of jail. He was, like, really jacked and then just super wild, like, <laughs> like crazy. And he was telling me stories of jail, like having to fight guys and, and fight Like, he got a mop stick and took on three guys wow. with, like a, like, a mop handle. and like, it's like he you Need was, to get him on the podcast. He's dead. Oh geez. Yeah, he's like, dude, I was fighting for my fucking life. It was it was crazy. And but he had become like feral right. while he was in prison. He was a different guy. And when we would spar, we were going a war. Dude, prison's like a, like a jungle, you yes. know what I mean? Like well, he was also in prison for like heavy shit, like yeah. selling drugs and having guns and yeah. it was it was heavy duty stuff. And well, we would when we would spar, and I, he was like a a, tr- a training partner there I sparred with a lot we would not spar like it was like touching each other. Like hit, You're supposed to spar light. Yeah. We went full blast yeah. all the time. And I would be lying in bed sometimes. I remember very specifically this one time, I was lying in bed, I was broke, I was like 20 years old, and I'm lying in bed, my head's pounding, just boom, boom, boom. And I don't have any money, I am not have any health insurance, I don't know what my future is. I'm like, what am I doing with my life? Right, and I'm like, I am here getting fucking brain damage. I'm uh, this is definitely going to give me brain damage. I'm like, my head is killing me, and it's just from being punched in the head. And that's I just scary. Yeah, that's really scary. All the years of sparring, like how many times I got hit in the head, and it was starting to. I'm like, what if one day it's, mm-hmm. I'm gone. Like I'm um, now, I become this brain damage guy because there was guys that I I knew from the gym that I knew them years ago and they were one way
2: and now I know them and they're like slurring their words. Yeah, and I feel like there's like this kind of slow buildup where you don't notice it and then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden it's too late. Mm -hmm. It's like a slippery slope. Yeah, for sure. The reason I was asking you about that is because when I was listening about it this morning, I was thinking about um, I've had a lot of radical concussions from surfing and and I had about five of them within like a four-year period. Really? And they become successively easier to get. Like, I became more fragile and more prone to concussions as time went on. I was surfing big waves. So I was is eating it, shit off, like, 50-foot waves, falling, oh. falling, you know, 30, 40 feet, 50 feet onto moving water, Water's that move, water that's moving super fast. It feels like you're falling onto concrete. Um, and I was getting really horrible, horrible concussions, where I was throwing up and, like, nauseous for 48 hours and, like, just really bad situations. And I never really equated it to brain injury. I don't know. I just didn't really know that that's, that, that, like, I, I didn't really know that concussions were bad for you. I just figured they were bad. They were like sore and they're painful and they're horribly, you know, they sucked when you're going through it, but then it was no big deal. And then about two years ago, I was on a boat trip and I met this guy, Fred, who's from California, and we started chatting about what we do. And um, he owns the, brain treatment center in California and he's like this is what I do I have this brain treatment center and um, and he's like next time you're in California you should come by and get an EEG like get a reading of your brain and then you can just see what it looks like after all these concussions you're telling me about and so next time I was in California I did that I got a, I got an EEG and then it was really cool like one of the scientists from the company we did a rad zoom call so he, he took me through my whole like my scan report with all the data and all the charts and what it meant and it was so surreal. He was telling me I'd never met this guy in my life. This guy named Spencer. And, and he goes, he he was he was telling me specifically about myself, about st- stuff that was so detailed and so nuanced about my personality type and and who I was. That it was stuff my wife probably wouldn't even know. It was that he could read that from your yes. brain scan. Yeah. He like, goes, well, like, well, you're like this, like like your thought processes, like your like your like your strengths and how your brain works. And and here's where like you you for sure have all these like really detailed things about like. Um, like if I study a lot or read a lot I get super exhausted at the time I was getting like crazy exhausted like brain fatigue and like um, you know like I love to read when I read I get like horribly tired and fall asleep right away I couldn't read Um, and I had a lot of like ADHD style like uh, symptoms like you know brain fog um, like mental clarity issues uh, forgetfulness like leaving things just being a space case but like kind of really extreme And I felt like it was getting worse as I got older and so, and and so the next time I was in San Diego, I went to the clinic and I got this this uh, like a week's worth of tra- of, of brain treatments. Have, have you ever done brain treatment? No. It, it was a trip. It was so the cool. the San Diego is that the place where they use magnets? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So. My friend Kat Zingano went there. She's a fighter for the UFC. Yeah, she um, had this wild fight with Amanda Nunes, and uh, she won the fight. She stopped Amanda, but in the first round, she took so much trauma that it fucked up the cortisol levels yeah. of her brain. Her hormones were all out of whack. She was gaining weight. She was depressed. Yeah, and her body wouldn't move right. Like her her coordination was all fucked up, and she got all of her movement back from this these, this magnetic training. Yeah, I know
2: they do it with a lot of soldiers as well. Yeah, so so I guess the reason I was telling you about mine is because my experience has been been super good. It's yeah. helped me a, a ton, yeah. What was the effect of it? So I had a week's worth of in-clinic brain treatments, which were like, I think they were like 45 minutes long each time. I did a week's worth of that every morning in San Diego. And then um, they sent me an in-home unit that I did for 30 days. It was really cool. Like, So based off my EEG, like my brain scan, they they do like a, it's almost like, I'm doing, like, uh, those invisible teeth aligners right now, like braces. Invisalign, yeah. Yeah, so, like, you know, when they do that, they scan your teeth. They show you what your teeth look like now. And they show you what your teeth are going to look like in a year or six months or whatever mm. it is. And, like, week by week, it gets closer to this finish, finished product. It was kind of similar to that. They go, here's your brain. Here's what it looks like. And basically, your, the back of your brain, the middle of your brain, and the front of your brain, I, I don't know this stuff very well, right? But – um, they are three separate parts, but they work as as one. And you really want that alignment. You want the, the back, the middle, and the front to have alignment. Like all the, the energy and how you process information is all fucked up if, if, the, if, if, if the signals are crossed. Right. And if your brain's not aligned back, middle, and front, you're going to have issues, major issues. So in mine, the back was fine. The middle was pretty good. But the front, it was completely off. And, and like this, like you want to see like basically on the chart, you want to see like this mountain range. All in the middle, in one mountain, like real steep, like a chart. Like what, a little... and what is it representing? Is it representing brain function? Brain like... function, yeah. And how you process information. And so they were like, "Look, you have here's where your problem is. It's in the front of your brain and a little bit in the middle. And over all these treatments, it's gonna be it's gonna be tort. Like here's where you are now. Here's where your brain would be optimum." And, it's, and it's, your, it's like my brain. It wasn't like, here's the optimum brain. It's like, here's, it's like showing me my teeth all jacked up and where my teeth are going to be in six months when it's finished. Oh. And so they use like this personalized, um, like artificial intelligence reads through like hundreds of thousands of brain scans that they have. So it's like if I have a certain type of brain, they have an optimum, like artificial intelligence basically spits out like a program for my brain. So I had like a USB. So they sent me, they sent me this really cool in in home machine, and a, like a little USB drive with my brain data on it. So I click it in, I turn it on, I put the thing on for thirty minutes, and after thirty days, I mean, well, after after the first, I should say this, after the first week and in the in clinic stuff, I was seventeen percent closer to the finished brain. Wow. Yeah, and I could see it. That that how I said it was like the the, the brain activity on the chart from the scan. It should be all three, the front, back, front, middle, and back should have a a steep, like a mountain range in the middle. And my front was like dull and short and off to the side. And after one week, I was 17% closer to where my brain would be when it was totally optimized and perfect. In a perfect world, how often would you do it? Well, your brain is interesting because it's not like a muscle. Like say, say I started doing curls with like 30 pound dumbbells every day and my muscles got jacked after six months and then i put those things down and never did it again my arms just go back to normal right your brain's not like that your brain once you like say you have a perfect brain and you get you get punched in the head by um usman a hundred thousand times and then your brain's all beat up that's going to stay beat up until you change it so if you have brain treatment and it works really well it pulls your brain back in a more in a more optimized type of situation, and so for me, once my brain after the 30 days, my brain was in a lot better shape. I, everything was aligned, I, and I could note. I noticed, I had first thing I noticed is I had a whole lot more energy in the afternoons. I oh. used to have to drink like an energy drink or whatever it was. I, I I needed some sort of boost in the afternoon to like stay super sharp. Um, and then I immediately had more energy. I would get less brain fatigue from reading or doing research or or you know. And then I was more clear, like more more mental clarity. I just felt way sharper. It's cool. That's
1: fucking awesome.
2: Yeah, it's so cool that they have that now. Because for the
1: longest time, there was no real treatments. Yeah, my good friend cool. Dr. Mark Gordon, he um, works with the Warrior Angel Foundation, which uh, works with soldiers that have had traumatic brain injuries, and he's a, a TBI expert. And um, he says that people can get TBI from a lot of things that you would assume are innocuous. One of them, he said, is jet skis. And I go, huh. really? He goes, yeah, man. He goes, this thing where you go, rah, bang, yeah. bang, bang. He goes, every time you're doing that, when you're riding waves and bouncing up yeah. and down, he's like, your brain is sloshing around inside your head. I go, no way. That can give you brain. He goes, oh, yeah. He goes, soccer? He goes, when you're headbutting that yeah. ball, that, that can give you CBI or
2: TBI? You would never think with surfing. No, I never thought that. And then I'm really good friends with a bunch of big wave surfers. And a lot of them were starting to have brain issues. Oh. Really bad. Because you're, you, you're, you're having these huge wipeouts where you're falling, like, free-falling for stories, right? And then yeah. you get smashed and the wave rattles the shit out of you, like, yeah. really crazy. And your brain is, like, inside of fluid inside of your skull. And it's just, like, rattling back and forth like crazy.
1: What was the gentleman's name that uh, came in, the big, giant football player guy with the iron neck? Is it Mike Jolly? Sounds right. Um, he developed this uh, this piece of equipment called the iron neck to uh, strengthen your neck that will help prevent a lot of brain injury. Because a lot of brain injury is having a weak neck and your head just gets fucking whipped Damn. around. And so he has this um, – this, do you know what an iron neck is? I don't. It's like a halo that you put on and you tighten it down and then it has a bungee cord on the back of it. So you pull against the bungee cord and then you rotate your neck back and forth and you can adjust the tension on how hard... Look, I, mean, I have a video. Yeah, I'll show this to you, Jamie. This is uh, a video of what it looks like when you're you're doing it. I'm going to send this to you, Jamie. I was watching... How good was this? Here, Jamie, I sent you a video. Um, This... Oh, there's one. Uh, there we there's go. a video. Wow, Perfect. what a trip! So he was a football player. He played in the NFL, and so he developed this thing. And so you back up on this bungee cord, and then you turn like he was teaching me how to do it there. And then you he was trying to you keep your shoulders straight and you turn your head side to side. And I don't know if you could see the difference in my neck then and now, but my neck is way stronger now. Your neck is stronger. Oh my God. It's bigger. I, I sent you a video, like the video is me using it the other day. My neck is way stronger now because I do it all the time. So I've like, I've got all this meat now, like in my neck that I never had before. Like for jujitsu, it's gigantic. So this is what it looks like now. You can see Dude, like, you're my neck is way bigger <laughs> than it ever was before.
2: Good luck getting a, a suit, that, a sh- like a shirt that's going to fit. No, I wear yeah. custom suits. I have them made for this
1: fucking for chimp, chimp body. For that neck. Yeah, look, <laughs> look at my neck. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah, Look at how crazy. much bigger it is. You, you can see in that old video versus now how much bigger yeah. my neck is. It's way bigger. So I'm doing this at least once a week, usually twice a week. And I have a, a series of uh, exercises that I do. Oh, it's working. I can tell you that. Yeah, it works, man. It's working. But for jujitsu, jitsu it's gigantic. To have a strong neck is gigantic. But for anything, I think when your head yeah, gets whipped around, sure. yeah. like my head does not going to get whipped around like that. It's like it's yeah. stabilized more. Yeah.
2: It, it protects you. Well, so for I'll fighters, throw you over the falls on an 80-foot wave and say ah, that. Nah. That's not going
1: to help. <laughs> that amount of force, when I watch you uh, go down these crazy waves and I see like the, what's behind you, it's so terrifying. The, the just the idea that that can come smashing down on your head at any moment,
2: and it does. It not only might come down on you, it does. Like I mean, it's only a matter of time; it's going to happen for sure. So fuck. It's I mean that you have to train for and be and expect. You know, when
1: it hits you, what is the protocol? What's what are you supposed to do when you get hit?
2: Well, I mean, it's more like before. It's like when,
1: when you, you get know, hit. When you know it's it's ha- happening. When you know like the wave
2: is about to collapse on you, like what do you do? I mean, you just you just uh, you execute your plan that you that you that you have. Um, like for me, it was more, and I don't do as much big wave stuff as I once did. Forty nine now, and trying to mellow out. I still love big waves, but but it was my life for a while, and and at the time I was training like a madman, like super physically fit working out six days a week super high like crazy intense um and i was working with like breath coaches to do like breath work and stuff so as soon as i would paddle into the lineup when i was surfing big waves i was breathing to where i was oxygenating my oxygenating my lungs did i say that right and so um you basically try to get as much air into your lungs as possible when you know you're about to eat shit or go under a really huge wave and then you are it's just a matter of like holding your breath. So you just take a giant deep breath right yeah, before you go, go <sighs> in Yeah, like crazy. And you stuff your lungs and everywhere else as much as you can. You pack your lungs with as much air is as you that can, you? as much oxygen oh as you can. Oh my
1: God, yeah, so. Shane Dorian. What the fuck? <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's scary. And that's me eating shit. Wow. But look at this. Yeah. Oh my God. That's so wild, dude. And when you eat shit that hard... And it comes down on you that hard. Like,
2: w- how much time does it take before you can get up to the surface? It really depends. I mean, in a really bad situation, I had one. I had I had one wipeout uh, off the coast of Northern California in Half Moon Bay at this wave called Mavericks, where this chick was on a boat filming and she filmed me eating shit, much like that. Uh, and I was underwater. She was filming my board, and it was tombstoning, meaning she could only see the top half of my surfboard. The bottom half was underwater, and I was at the I was the at the end of like a 15 foot leash to my surfboard. So, my board is about 10 and a half feet long. My leash was 15 feet long, and then I was at the very bottom of that leash. Oh And boy. I was underwater for a minute and about eight seconds. A long time. It doesn't sound like that long, right? Fucking
1: sounds like a long ass time.
2: But I did a lot of breath training, or I didn't do a lot of breath training, but I did some breath training, and and like. Basically your static breath hold, like whatever you can do in a pool with a calm heart rate, like you can basically under pressure, like if if your heart rate's going crazy, you can you can hold your breath for a quarter of your static breath hold. Oh my God. So like when I do my static but when I yeah, isn't that scary? It's terrifying. But it's powerful because if you know that you have, say hypothetically you have a four minute breath hold static. Then that means under pressure, like in a situation like that where your heart rate's really high and you're getting the shit kicked out of you, you should be able to hold your breath for one minute and, su- and survive.
1: Yeah, but I, don't, I can't hold my breath for four minutes. I think when we did that thing with. Um, how long David do you think Blaine, you can do it? How long did I hold no, my breath? We didn't
0: finish it, but you did, you did it for quite a long time. And he was about to teach us how to do it longer, but we didn't get that far.
1: They can teach you how well, to do I it. Well, I did longer. it longer than everybody else, yeah. but I still didn't think it was that long.
0: Over two minutes, I think.
1: Yeah, but that's not that but long. I don't
0: think it was four, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think it was like two and a half minutes. But Vasily Lomachenko, one of the things he does for every fight is he tries to make his ability to hold his breath longer. And for this last one, he got to four minutes and 30 seconds. Which is like two seconds longer than it Those his are previous rookie numbers. <laughs>
2: no, yeah, I would imagine for like a, a free surfer or a free but diver, it, right? It's got to be so good for him, right? It's a huge advantage. That lung capacity yeah. is is massive with fighting. Yes, for sure. And but I mean, I
1: think he does it also just for mental toughness, just like to build, just ability to steal his mind yeah. and just fucking just a lot of steal. it is
2: just being like for me. It was great because. I had that like if if you don't know that, if you don't know the science behind holding your breath for a long time under pressure with a high heart rate, then you just go into these wipeouts like, Fuck, I hope I survive. I need to hold my breath. And when you have that hope type of mindset, then your heart rate goes higher and you start right. burning more oxygen. Right. But if you don't have that hope, if if that's not a part of your mindset and you're just like, shit, I've done the training, I know how long I can hold my breath with a high heart rate. And and knowing that that number and knowing that you're pretty much never going to be held underwater for that long. Like I could hold my breath. Um, The longest I held my breath during the the breath training thing that I did was five minutes and 34 seconds.
1: Well, hope is not a good thing for any skill. No. Like I hope the ball goes in the net. It's not going in. I hope I make this shot. I'm not making the shot. Like in archery, like you can't hope you hit the vitals. You have to know you're going to hit the vitals. When you release that arrow, that arrow, you
2: have to have fucking
1: hours and hours and hours right. and hours and hours of training.
2: If you're hoping, yeah. you're toast. Yeah, you're hoping you're fucked. Yeah. You're fucked. And it's like that with big waves. So for me, I was like, okay, I can hold my breath for five minutes and 34 seconds. And so I can, so so 25% of that, I can do that with a high heart rate. So, That's
1: your, your record is 534? Yeah. When those free divers
2: get to like seven, eight minutes, like what are they doing different? They just... Well, and I I only did one three-day course of like breath training or four four four-day course so they so they teach you the science behind breath holding and they 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 help you with like things to think about to get your static higher and higher and higher well give us the cliff notes like what are they essentially um they they have you hold your breath right at the start see how you know what your static breath hold is and then they teach you how to how to hold it for longer and so it's almost like meditation like for me like the um you basically think of you don't think of time, you don't count the seconds. You think about things that have like like for me it was like they were like okay, hey, think about something that's super detailed and go through that process while you're holding your breath. So I was in the pool and a guy's timing me and I'm in a wetsuit and I go underwater and I packed my bags to go hunting on Lanai. Oh, yeah. So I was like hey, I, I so I started holding my breath and went underwater and I was like hey, what do I need for my hunting trip on Lanai? I need. I need, how many arrows do I need? Three dozen. (laughs) (laughs) And then I was like, okay, I got my broadheads. Then I gotta get my, my boots. Okay, now I gotta get my waterproof boots. And I gotta get my like, sneaking shoes. Okay, what socks do I need? Like super detailed, super boring stuff that you know really well. And I went through that whole packing thing. And then I like, literally, I got in my truck, in my mind, drove down to the airport, got on the plane, flew there, got off the plane. It was like, all this stuff was happening. And wow. then I didn't know how much time had passed. And then after, and then you know, you have that involuntary uh, urge to breathe. You know, have you ever hold held your breath for a long time? And all of a sudden you go, mm, yeah, mm, your stomach starts doing this thing yeah. where it's like telling your brain you need to breathe now or else you're going to die. It's not true. So when you do these breath holding classes, it's really neat because they tell you like when that urge to breathe that tells you you need to breathe right now or you're going to black out or die or whatever it is. Especially if you're underwater, it's really scary, right? And so. They teach you to go. Okay, you need to hold through these 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 uh, these big contractions, and so like these contractions are are happening, and you're not paying attention to them when you're like in this meditative type of mindset, and that's how you can hold your breath for a super long time.
1: So when you go through them, it, does it ever get easier when you you hit those things,
2: or yeah. is it just something you learn how to deal with? It's super uncomfortable, right? And so yeah, you learn to deal with it. You learn to go. Okay, this is totally normal. I know I can hold through multiple minutes of this this these contractions this urge yeah so then you end up like not even paying attention to them really yeah
1: so it's but still you need to at the right. end
2: because you get really like spacey and relaxed like like super in this meditative state to where like at the end because they, they start speeding up those contractions start speeding up and when they get to a certain when they get to a certain um, you know when they start happening fast enough you black out So when I was doing this, this, this underwater training, you know, you do it with a partner. There's a guy watching you all the time. So you don't have a uh, shallow water blackout and you don't drown.
1: Jesus.
2: Yeah. But it was great because when I would go surfing after that, I was like, shit, I can hold my breath for like, I forget what it was like a minute and 45 seconds under pressure. And they tested you. Mm. They'd have the like these, they would like, they would make you do squats or run, run on the, in the field and then run back and do squats with your eyes closed. And then someone would push you as fast as they could from the back. And so you try to get that air. Like you'd be doing squats with your eyes closed. You never knew when they were going to push you. And they would push you. And then as you were falling into the pool, in one second, you had to try and get as much air as you could. It was very similar to a wipeout surfing. So so from the moment that you realized you were going in, you had to go as fast as you could. And then as soon as you hit the water, there was two divers in the water. They would hold you underwater and like spin you around like you're in a washing machine.
1: Oh, whoa. Yeah. Fuck. And
2: then they would let you go. And then right before you got to the surface, they'd pull you back down and pull you back down. And they had watches. So they would be like, okay, Shane can hold his breath for a minute and 45 seconds under stress. And so they would do it until you blacked out. And did you black and they'd
1: out? And they bring you up.
2: Yeah. Oh my God. A couple God. different times.
1: Fuck that.
2: Yeah, it was horrible. <laughs> and I felt like I had like um, concussion type symptoms after it. So for two days we did this kind of training, and every single night I went home and like threw up. And maybe felt you gross. were getting
1: concussions.
2: Yeah, but it was it was worth it. Because yeah, I would it, imagine. Yeah, it was like, great training. The knowledge, this it made me yeah it made me more confident, made me stronger, and and um, it helped me feel safer surfing big waves. So,
1: I would imagine for someone that does what you do, that's a prerequisite. Like you have to have that ability to hold your breath that long.
2: There's some guys who do what I do. And they just roll up on the boat or roll up on the cliff and check the surf. Oh, it's 60 feet. And they're like, I'm out there. Spark of dirt. And just start smoking a cigarette. Just... Really? Oh, there, dude. Yeah. I mean, some of them don't train at all. Smoke cigarettes. Like, have big nights right before surfing. And you really, <sighs> at that point, you're hoping for the best. You know, you're playing playing with fire. Yeah.
1: What happens when one of those guys gets sucked under?
2: Yeah. And there's been a bunch of guys who died that I that I... That, I, that I've known, you know? Really close friends who pass away serving big waves. So it's, nothing to, it's nothing, nothing to mess with. Have you known anybody that got bit by a shark? Yes. How many guys? One of my friends got bit by a shark less than a week ago. <gasps> yeah. How is he? He was almost positive it was a great white shark.
1: Oh, Jesus.
2: <laughs> and how's this? It was in Hawaii. Really? It was at my home break. That's Bani- crazy. Banyons in Kona on the big island. Isn't that rare? They had been seeing a great white for three weeks in that area. A lot of like the, a lot of like, they have like manta ray boats and dolphin boats and like whale, whale watching boats go out. And I'm buddies with some of these guys and they've been seeing a great white. They've been filming it on the surface. This big, big, like a 12 a great white. And this guy, his name is Jared Williford. And he was he he's a crazy fisherman. He catches like full size, massive uh, blue marlin off the coast of Kona in his kayak. He's like a dude of the dreads. He's like real stony, baloney. What? How does he chilled, catch him off dude. a kayak? He catches him with his fishing pole off kayak. Like he's on a boat, but he just goes with his kayak, and he'll get, um, he'll, he'll, he'll hook up with a marlin or a big tuna and it'll pull him miles out to sea on his kayak. (laughs) I have had multiple friends who fish for a living are like, dude, I saw Jared with a marlin on his kayak. I'm dead serious. He's crazy. Anyway. So so he had a run in with a great white, like a couple weeks before. And he was like, he was like, he, he, um, he was like telling guys at the beach, I had a run in with a great white when I was on my kayak and everyone, you know, just figured he was full of shit. Like there's no way. And then Next, you know, and it's on on the. I, sh- I should pull it up on my phone, but it's so. There's webcams at a lot of these surf breaks now, and at my home break at Banyans, there's a webcam now. It's a Surfline webcam. So, 20, 24 hours a day, there's a camera, and so his attack is on camera. Yeah, yeah, this is it. Whoa!
1: Video of surfer being attacked and dragged underwater by shark at Banyans on Hawaii's Big Island. Wham! Nails him right there. He's down. Now he's going to pop up and swim to that guy. Yeah. So there's a video. This is the video right here.
2: Oh, play this. Sweet baby Jesus. This is where I grew up surfing. I don't know. Where's the video? There it is. Click on that. So this is my oh, home break. Screen. where I, okay. I've been surfing this since so I was five ready. years old.
1: That's that. Now right after this wave, you'll see it comes. And wham! Nails it right he's there. He's underwater. He's down. Now he's going to pop up right there. Whoop! And swim to that guy. Whoa. So that was a
2: girl god. next to him. Whoa. A girl was paddling out next to him. Shark comes up, grabs him, takes him underwater, and he comes up and hangs onto that girl's surfboard. His board's gone. Oh my god. You can see the size of the shark's huge too. You don't see it much.
1: You don't you No, just... you see
2: the fin though come up. Oh. So it grabbed the board and him, and how badly did he get bit? It it shredded his forearm pretty much completely. Oh my god! And so and so, my wife was just just the other day. My wife, uh, my wife was talking to the girl who was there in that video, who was next to him. So shark comes up, just nails him, takes him underwater, and she's just sitting there like, "Holy shit, this guy's toast. He's dead for sure." And she was thinking she was dead too, and then all of a sudden he pops up right next to her. And the shark's still right there. And she said it was moving like crazy slow, like a big, slow submarine. You know how scary that is? Oh and it's shallow God. there. It's like four feet deep where, where they were. This massive tank of a shark is in four feet of water. And just sucked him under. And his, it shredded his arm. Did it they didn't put suck it... him under, dude. It grabbed him with his freaking jaws and pulled him under. And like... did he get his arm fixed? Like... Yeah, so he is still in the ICU. Or he's still in the hospital. Wow. Still. And so I haven't talked to him personally, but um, it shredded his arm like horribly bad. I think he might have lost function in in some of his fingers. And anyway, this, this girl who was right next to him. So his board is gone and he was gushing blood like crazy, like hemorrhaging blood. And so she was on top of her board paddling. He swam under her board and held onto her board and she tried to paddle him to the beach. She took off her leash which is like, you know, your leash to your board mm-hmm. and cord, and wrapped it super tightly around his arm as a tourniquet and sa- and fully saved his life. And then when oh he was God. on the way in, an, a, another guy swam out and did another tourniquet on his arm oh and, and saved his life. But I guess he lost tons and tons of blood. <sighs> the guy's lucky. Yeah, extremely lucky.
1: Unlucky and lucky at the same time.
2: Could have been, Could have been so much worse. Have you, know? you ever had an encounter? I have. I've had encounters, I've seen seen a bunch of sharks and seen some big sharks. What a wild creature, right? Just a clean up crew of the ocean. They're terrifying. The heavy thing is like if you have a run in with a great white shark, there, there's a really good chance that they're not going to eat you, right? They chill a lot of times. But if they're hungry, if they haven't eaten in a, I don't know, how, how, how often do great whites eat, Jamie? Let's guess. I say they have to eat once a week. Yeah, I'd say four days, maybe. Let's see. Dun dun dun. Dun 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 dun
1: dun 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 dun. dun uh,
0: well, pops dun, dun. up. It says. It says. It says the amount of energy required by great white sharks was equivalent to eating a seal pup every three days.
2: Oh. So yeah. So so if you run into a like a white shark and it sees you it's not going to eat unless it's really hungry but if it's starving you're toast that's it bad luck
1: yeah i mean they eat shoes sometimes they eat all kinds of things yeah especially like by my house
2: there's a lot of tiger sharks and tiger sharks are like they bite first ask questions later like they like they'll like they'll fish out a tiger shark and 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 cut its stomach open there's like license plates and shoes and shit like a lot of stuff so they're just more aggressive. Yeah, they're more aggressive. They'll just bite anything.
0: They need, six, According to this research, uh, they need about 66 pounds of blubber to survive for no more than 15 days. Wow. So I'm trying to do the math in my head for like mm. two weeks. That's a lot. 30 pounds a week.
1: So if he's really hungry, he might just eat you. But even if he just bites you, you're probably dead. Yeah. Like, your, your guy got lucky.
2: Yeah, my friend was in- incredibly lucky.
1: I mean, unlucky and lucky at the same time. Yeah. So when you've had encounters, have they swam up to you?
2: Like Swam so under me. Um, a lot, bunch of times I was like right before I was going over a wave and I would see them in the wave. You Because know, oh, a lot of times Jesus if Christ. they're underwater next to you, you're, most likely you're not going to see them because right. of the glare, because of the angle. Yeah, so that was the great white that had been in Kona, like where I live. That's a proper great white shark right there. And they think that's the shark that hit him. Wow.
1: So this one shark is just rare?
2: Yeah. Well, in Hawaii, great whites you know no one really you know like a long time ago people didn't think that white sharks were in hawaii because the water was too warm
1: but why do they think that it's a a, this shark that bit him is great white why do they think that
2: well because this shark was in that area for about two or three weeks like beforehand and he had a run-in with that shark he's seen multiple he's he's had a lot of run-ins with sharks because he fishes off a kayak so he's always racing Mm. the sharks with his fish to the to, to oh, his kayak, because right. the fish will. And he try said, to, and he yeah. said, the shark that bit him had a super pointy nose. It was massive and had a super pointy nose. Which, like the only other like man-eating shark where we live is a tiger shark, and they have a really blunt snout. Mm. Where like a great white has a super pointy. It's really difficult to, kind of get that confused. They've been finding a lot
1: of them off the coast of California. Apparently, yeah, there's so many. Yeah, more than they ever thought. But
2: California's cold and Hawaii's warm, so, you know, Great White sticks out like dog's balls where I live. Like, why is it there? I don't know. Can we blame
1: people? Can we blame uh, plastic straws or something? (laughs) How many fucking masks are making their way into the ocean? I was thinking about that the other day. Because, like, if plastic straws are a problem in the ocean, people are throwing those goddamn masks out everywhere. I see masks everywhere I go. I see them floating around. It's messed up. Just laying in the gutter. Laying laying in front of garbage cans. They they're they're in the ocean. Guaranteed. How many uh, masks have well, been a Millions and a
0: of a statistic for you. a want to guess? a okay, little bit of a messed
1: me up guess. statistic a sure. Let me guess. I'm going to say, uh, is this statistic about the the in particular? This,
0: how many disposable masks entered the ocean in
1: 2020? Two billion. Yeah.
0: You're a little high. 1.6 estimate.
1: Wow. Wow. I thought it was way off. I was just getting crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say no. 5 million.
0: No. I said out of uh, 52 billion produced disposable face masks, 1.6 6. made it into the
1: ocean.
2: Holy shit. The pandemic a is producing a, a, uh, um, an epidemic of masks going into the oceans. That's a up. lot of fucking masks. It's fucked up. It's yeah. really messed up. And I don't even know if they work.
1: I mean, maybe they stop spittle from getting into someone, but... (laughs) They don't... We know it. They don't work, dude. I don't think they do. They don't work. They work. If you can get your fingers in the side of it and air is coming out... You ever seen that doctor that uh, vapes and then he puts the mask on to show you they don't work? I've seen the video. It's wild.
0: All right. Here's a... This is almost crazier. Styrofoam cup takes 50 years to biodegrade. How long do you think a mask takes? 150. 150. Four hundred
1: and fifty. Oh, oh my God! It's messed up to think that <sighs> masks are like the Democrats' MAGA hat, and we do it to make each other feel better. <laughs> yeah, but that's—I mean—that makes sense to me. That you wear it because it makes people feel comfortable, and I know it's illogical, and I'm fine wearing it if people—if it relaxes people and it makes them feel better. But if people want to actually argue that they do something. It just doesn't make any sense, man. It doesn't make any sense. Like, there's a great meme. (laughs) Oh, memes. Yeah, I'm such a fan of memes. But uh, this is a a very funny one um, about that. Because I just feel like it's one of those things where we accepted it early on, and now we're just pretending that it's somehow or another protective. But at the end of the day... It's really just a piece of paper over your mouth and you're breathing perfectly
2: through it. So like how does that work? Here, Jamie. I remember some of those scientists saying that the mask really was a reminder to to wash your hands, be cleaner, stay, stay you know, six feet apart. It was more of like a me- it was supposed to intend, intended to be a mental reminder that we're in a pandemic.
1: That makes kind of sense. But the washing the hand thing is nonsense. This is my favorite. Tell me more about how virus can es- escape from a level four bio lab, but can't get past a mask with little duckies on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's ch- Wilder amazing. from Willy Wonka. <laughs> memes are the best. Memes are the best. <laughs> it's a new form of comedy. Yeah. That didn't exist before the internet came around. I'm very happy with the memes. I'm a big meme fan. You know, a lot of memes are made by like troll farms and shit, like to politically
2: uh, engage bet. in arguments. That stuff is so fascinating to me. Yeah. But, like, all, like, I mean, I'm sure you talk about this a lot on the podcast, but like how everything is politicized and it's and just a lot of weird shit. Up and there. how many of the
1: people that are politicized and how many people that are engaging like aren't even real people they're yeah. employees of some troll farm in macedonia or something with a strategy There's so many times where I'll, I'll look at you know i don't post on twitter very often very very rarely i post but most i'll, I'll read things sometimes and I, when people are arguing about stuff sometimes i'll read someone's comment and i'm like that's just a crazy thing to say and then you look at their twitter name you're like it has a bunch of numbers at the end of it and you're like what is this and then i click on them and they're like one follower and they've been around for like six months. And then I look and it's all politically charged things and arguing with people. I'm like, that's not, probably not even a real person. It's either a burner account or this is like some person in a troll farm. And it's, it's str- if, if I knew for a fact it was someone that's working in a troll farm, I'd be fascinated. I'd be like, yeah. look, there's one right there. That's like a little, little intruder, a little faker, a little virus, a little human virus.
0: A lot of these probably are fake. Just uh, not fake, but created by not a human person. Wow, AI That's crazy. generates
1: absurdist memes that are funnier than what most real humans create. Wow. So the guy runs this
0: website that does like you know harnesses memes and cur- curates them or whatever. I don't know if he created or if he got a hold of it, uh, an AI program that takes a hundred million public meme captions and recreates new ones based off of the top forty-eight templates. Wow. And, like here is some examples of like ones that were created
1: coronavirus everyone else coronavirus what
0: I mean this is just like a popular te- these are the templates and right? it's just filling in the words right. and some of them stick some of them don't you know if it tries
1: right, a million right, times a right. day it'll win oh, so them. it's like the million monkeys yeah. Typing. Saying, yeah it's
2: fascinating that like like those like those troll farms you're talking about it could be like a political situation like say it's like some like political candidates thing you know we need this troll farm it could be that or it could be like who who knows some huge corporation in america and then it also could be like russia or like north korea or some crazy thing which is super weird that they're interested in our politics
1: yeah they're interested in our politics and also we're interested in our politics so i guarantee you that political parties hire people to create memes and to go on and argue about things and to pretend that they're lunatic right-wing people or pretend that they're lunatic left-wing people to upset the people that are on the right or the left, you know, with their crazy fake posts. And they do it just to rile people up and get people arguing. You know, there's just so many of them. And it's, it's just... It just makes sense it's like you remember those nigerian scammers you have won a million dollars all you have to do is contact us and give us your bank account number so we can deposit the money then they clean out your bank account like that's the same it's basically the same kind of deals they found a loophole they found some weird thing that can allow them to do something it's just what's the motivation behind it that's the question it's like why would they do that well if you're from Russia or from a, another country that's an enemy of the United States, they're basically just trying to fuck with democracy. They're trying to lessen our our confidence in how things work and
2: undermine. Yeah. What's undermine everything there. that we do.
1: Yeah. And they're wor- it's doing it. It's, it's working, working for sure. It's great. They're doing an awesome job. Congratulations. Yeah.
2: <laughs> that strategy is working. <laughs> like we're so vulnerable. It's we're so great. vulnerable because we're so politically polarized. Well, and if you like, you know, in the past, if if I didn't agree with what you were saying or what you believed, we would still be friends. Mm-hmm. You know, these days, if I don't totally agree with everything that you say and everything you post on Instagram, yeah. then you're a bad guy. I can't be friends with you anymore. Yeah. I have I, friends like that that are like, because we don't have the same beliefs. Yeah, those people are idiots. We're not I, friends anymore. I, I don't. I That's really I won't up.
1: subscribe to that. Those people can eat shit. Yeah, There's, I agree. I, I have a lot of friends that I don't agree with. Uh, that's fine. That's the, totally I don't have cool. To agree with you. Yeah, you everybody's have to nice different, person. man. You just have to be a nice person, be, be a good person, and be able to articulate your interests, I or, feel do, like... you are, arti- articulate what your opinions are on things, and we can talk
2: and have a conversation. And at yeah. the end, if I don't talk you into what I believe, that's fine, man. Yes. You know what I mean, yes, like that's got to be fine. I, I feel like there's, I feel like we have this momentum towards. If we don't agree, then something's wrong. It's nothing's wrong. Well, we everyone's tribe different beliefs. This is a weird time where everyone feels like they have to
1: have allegiance to their tribe and they have to be like yeah. steadfast in their their set of belief yeah. systems in order to be accepted by the tribe. It's fucking dumb, man. It's dumb and it's confusing and I don't see it get any better. I don't see it getting any better in our lifetime. I think this is just how people are going to be from now on. Do you think it's a trend that's just going to continue getting more It's going to get worse. I feel like it's accelerating. Yeah, it's it's accelerating. Yeah. It's accelerating and it applies to everything. It applies to sexual orientation, gender, polit- politics, the way you feel about the environment, climate change, um, trans kids and sports, like everything. Everything's politicized and everything's polarized and everybody has these predetermined, predetermined belief systems that they adopt. If you're a right winger or you're a left winger, you just like adopt this pattern of thinking. That this is, I'm on the left, so I have to be all for free and available abortion. And uh, I want gun regulation, yeah. and I want this, and I want that, and, you know. It ticks every box yeah, on and, your side. And, 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 uh, and contradictory things, too. This is where it gets really weird. Like, voter ID is racist. It's racist to require someone to have a voter ID to, re- to register to vote. But you have to have an ID because you need to have a vaccination. So in order to use... Any facilities you need to be vaccinated, and if you're going to be vaccinated, I need to have an ID, and you have to have a vax card, and that's okay. But that is like, if you want to think about what's racist and not racist, if you look at the statistics, it's the it's a large percentage of African Americans that are not vaccinated, yeah. and they don't want it, and they don't trust it, and there's good reason historically. Yeah. If you look at the, like t- t- the Tuskegee government's done a lot experiment, of fucked up shit, yeah, the African American community, especially the. T- t- Tuskegee experiment. That one's the worst. They when they uh, had these people with syphilis and they didn't treat them. They pretended they were treating them. They just let it. they would, wanted to see what happens if, you, if syphilis goes untreated. And they did that from 1930 something to 1970 something. And while they were doing it, in the middle of doing it, the fucking cure for syphilis came out. So all those people could have been cured easily. They had penicillin. And they chose not that to give so it to messed them. Up. And they did it willingly. Yeah. And that's the fucking CDC, by the way. That's the CDC did that. It's crazy. Like crazy.
2: crazy. That's hard to believe in these this day and age, you know what I mean? Like looking back at that and go, that was real. Bro, they did it for almost 40 years. And the agenda's different now, right? Like I, I feel like it's so – like that whole like – I. it was funny because I almost texted you the other day to see where that uh, – Ghislaine, is that her name? Yeah, Gillane. I was going to ask you where, if 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 you knew somewhere where I could get updated, because I was fascinated with that trial. Yeah, like I really wanted to get like updated, like unbiased news about what was happening, like what was you know being talked about, like you know you know what was not able to be talked about and what was, and you know what kind of information was going to come out, and you can I could not find it, and then like that Lance Rittenhouse trial, I could couldn't not find kyle, it kyle rittenhouse, I, yeah, yeah. Kyle, kyle rittenhouse i couldn't i couldn't yeah. look at anything without that coming up it was insane right it was like that that was that, everywhere yeah the rittenhouse uh trial had the best marketing team in history seriously <laughs> well the was rittenhouse crazy. trial was public right so you could
1: see his testimony But it was a public for a reason well it was not a federal case See, this is a federal case, and the difference is in these federal cases, they don't allow cameras into the courtrooms. Gotcha. I'm pretty sure. Make sure that's correct. But it sure felt
2: like the re- the real reason is that correct? Do you think?
1: I'm
0: pretty sure. I'll make sure.
2: I think that's correct. Um, you, what do you? I felt you like think? the reason was because they because we were all supposed to get crazy angry about it and fight about it. You know. Well, um,
1: yeah, there's a little bit of that. And it's a spectacle, and I think they wanted to put it on parade. And I think they had entirely too much faith in their prosecutors, their prosecutors who turned out to be, uh, you know, not very good. But the amount of misinformation with that trial was yeah. insane. Okay, yeah, here it is. Um, electronic media coverage of criminal proceedings in federal courts has been expressly prohibited under the federal rule of criminal procedure 53 since the criminal rules were adopted in 1946.
2: So for all those years, there have been no cameras allowed in federal court. But, so, so even though there's why. no, so even if there's no cameras allowed, like how much information is allowed to get out with the press? In a federal well, that's case? a good
1: question because they, they banned that um, Maxwell
2: trial tracker from Twitter. I saw that. I don't. Is there a reason for that? Yeah. Because oh, and a- yeah, yeah. and Jack Dorsey <laughs> stepped down the day that that the trial started.
1: Yeah, that was that's coincidental. He was planning on stepping as down for a while. you know. I'm friends with I'm that. Joking, I'm no, joking. No, I know. i starting a, a,
2: a he conspiracy. Was looking to,
1: he was looking to get out a while ago. He He's happy to get out. He wants to do other but things. But on the day that that, that that,
2: you know, I'm just saying it's, I mean, it's kind of trippy. Started, it's kind of trip. Maybe trippy. they
1: started dropping the hammer after he left because he was probably the last firewall for free speech. Uh, On Twitter because he's a staunch advocate of free speech. He really is and he's I mean It's hard to believe because you're like oh my god. What are you saying? You fucking shill Twitter is full of censorship Yes, it is but Twitter's not just Jack Dorsey Jack Dorsey actually advocated for two versions of Twitter One version of Twitter his proposal was one version of Twitter would be Censored and moderated the way you see it currently another would be the Wild West It would be anything goes anybody can post yeah. Enter at your own risk. I think that would have been a fantastic idea. You know, as long as people don't dox people or threaten people's lives and that kind of shit. You or, can't say anything anymore without getting deplatformed. It's very hard. Yeah. It's very it's hard. Crazy. People are getting banned and they're getting um, videos taken down for... Fucking nothing yeah for, for nothing. nothing. Um, so what is the reason why the tw- the trial tracker was taken down?
0: Uh, so I will, as I say this I'll like add a caveat. This is the reason that was explained It doesn't mean that it's a you know accurate legit or good reason, but <clears throat> they said that this account was being used in uh, Manipulating practices and spam ways they were it was used previously for other purposes on Twitter And they changed the name to like Maxwell trial account when this was happening so it was used in the past for like stock tips or something like that, and they they have other accounts there. this person or whoever was controlling it was also linking back off of Twitter's website to a sub stack, which according to Twitter's rules, is like they don't want that to happen. They want to keep people on Twitter, so they use those you know those things that's happening as a way to get it off.
1: Haven't people always done that because I know Alex Berenson. correct
0: that's why i I don't think that that's a valid reason, but that's the reason I believe that they said so I've just looked now for an update. Uh, the Whoever was running it claims on their sub stack they weren't doing that and they have tried to get an appeal and they have, I, don't, I don't think they've gotten a response.
1: They could easily just be saying that someone used it for other reasons right. And here's the other thing Maybe you did use it for other reasons because that's why you set the Twitter account up But then you had it and then you decided well This is a valid reason to use my account. So I'm just going to repurpose my account that way. Why is that wrong? I-
0: Again, I don't know, but that's just like what they said. And when I'm looking up now, is someone like that runs another blog that was looking into this has reached out for you know comment. They haven't gotten a comment back.
2: Hmm. Regardless, so, though, that I mean that Maxwell trial is fascinating. Like, it is fascinating. We want like hundreds of millions, if not billions, of people are interested in yeah. the outcome and what's happening, like the details of that. And trial. if someone could release data from that trial that was accurate. Who gives a
1: shit if the they're they'll. I'll add
0: into that, though. I, someone I follow on Twitter got into... Like, you can go there. You can go to it. It just can't be... You can't tweet live tweet it, but you could go watch it if you want to go to New York and sit in there. It's open, I believe. Oh. So, I mean, it's just like the Supreme Court. You can go sit in the Supreme Court and watch. You just can't live tweet it.
2: But in order to find out details about the trial, you have to follow some obscure writer on Substack. You know what I mean? Instead yeah. of, like, just being able to, like check it out online real quick and get all the details right away. Like you could, like with that Rittenhouse trial or something like that, you
1: know? Dude, the whole thing is so wild. And uh, like I've said this before, but I'll say it again. Alex Jones told me about this more than a decade ago. More than a decade ago. And I thought he was crazy. I'm I'm pretty sure he told me about this before Epstein was even arrested the first time. What did he tell you about? Like actual... I I didn't remember at the time that he told me until after he got arrested. And then I was reading that there was... There was a, a campaign... Wait,
2: he told you about Epstein years yes. before it happened?
1: Yes. And the whole... Before he got arrested. The he whole told, scene? Yes. It was uh, well wow. known that they would take... I don't, I'm, he might not have even said Epstein by name, but he basically said that... Um, I forget who he was saying was doing it, but this is what he said. What they do is they compromise these very powerful and wealthy politicians by they make friends with them they get him in tight and then they're friends with all these other famous people right so they bring him to this party so if you're a guy like epstein like one of the things you notice about epstein if you uh, pay attention to like all the contacts that he had there was a lot of famous people a lot of famous people yeah. flew with him and they would fly to do these charitable events and they would fly to to like bill gates flew with them bill clinton flew with them All these people. So if you were a celebrity and you got a chance to go hang out with some famous scientists and some famous politicians and it's a dinner, it's a dinner party. You're invited. And you're like, oh, my God, this is amazing. You go to this dinner party. He says, like, I would like to invite you to my island. I have an island. Was it in the Caribbean? Is that where it was? I have an island in the Caribbean, and you can come down, and we have this amazing place you can stay. We'll fly and, you out. And, and the, you, you, know, you talk to these guys who your friend's are like, oh, my God, you got to go. It's the, the best time. Yeah. The food's amazing. He, right. All these beautiful women are there. You're like, wow, sounds great. And if you're this fucking nerdy scientist guy or some celebrity. <laughs> Sign that me up. That, Whoa, this is going to be awesome. Yeah. So he gets these people to do this fly them to this island, make them feel like there's no rules, everything's fine here, it's wild. And meanwhile they're filming these people. And so they compromise them. Yeah. And they bring these girls that are maybe underage or close to it or, or they maybe look like they're not underage but they are. Yeah. And they would film them having sex with these people. And so they always always have this data and always have dirt on them. And the How? thing that always freaked me out was the painting. Epstein had a fucking painting of Bill Clinton in the foyer of his house. It's Bill Clinton in a dress. Bill Clinton with a blue dress on, <laughs> pointing... Have you seen it? No. Oh, my God, you have to see this. Jamie. It's the wildest shit ever. We want to get a copy of this. The, I don't think the... the We have, might have to do it illegally. I don't think the... Was that like the artist does not want anybody making copies of that or something you like that? You
2: should buy the NFT. I'm NFT. I don't know about that. Right? Is that... that When's this? the NFT going to drop?
1: <laughs> <laughs> but look at this painting, because it's so fucking ridiculous. And this was... Remember, this is in wow. the foyer of his house. <laughs> painting of Bill Clinton in a blue dress hung in Jeffrey Epstein's home. So when you went over Jeffrey Epstein's house in yeah, uh, in Manhattan, wow! P- Did
0: you ever see that one was in there too? He
1: had that one in there too. Well, that's like to make it look like Bill, that George W. is a dumbass. But at least he didn't have them
0: like There's two planes knocking over the bricks.
1: Oh wow! Yeah. Oh, like the towers? Yeah. Oh, Jesus, oh, yeah. wink, wink. But, that's crazy. Yeah. But the Clinton one, thats he's basically saying, you're my bitch, I got <laughs> you, bro. Because Clinton, according to these uh, transcripts, uh, the flight logs, flew with yeah. him 26 times. And I'm
2: like, dude, I haven't flown my mom 26 times yeah. in my whole life, and I love my mom. <laughs> Well, and you could fly once, right, and not know about the island and really like the details. You could just be going for the, like the ribeyes and the yeah. and like, you know, like bronzing by the pool. You could, it could be not, you know, nothing like evil and creepy about it at all. But 26 right. times, it's really difficult to keep those secrets <laughs> for a long, long time. What is that one that, in the trial? It says Bill Clinton painting in
1: Jeffrey Lower Middle Fox News bottom row. Yeah, what is that? This
0: is when he was still on
1: trial. It says Holmes, it's a surprise to woman who oh, yeah. painted President wearing blue dress. He
0: bought it from an artist. I remember reading about this. That was like a New York art student. And someone else had already paid for it. Oh. And Epstein came in as like a you know donor to the school. And they're like, no, you're going to sell this to him. Like she didn't have a choice.
1: Oh, and he put so it up in his house <laughs> right. to say, you're my bitch. <laughs> wow. That's fascinating. <laughs> imagine imagine if I go over your house. We're friends. I go over your house like, Shane, you got a beautiful- Hey, man, why the fuck do you have a painting of don't me in a dress? Don't give me any ideas, bro.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I know, some good artists. But you,
1: I would think it's funny. But, I mean, if uh, you had been inviting me to your island to fuck underage girls, jeez, and then I saw a painting in your house of me in a dress, I would be a little upset. I'd be like, hey, what the fuck, bro?
2: That type of mindset's a little above my... Pra- my I'm just way too... I don't know what that... Uh, he was an evil freak, huh, dude? What is this, James? This is yeah. uh,
0: about the art in his house. He had a picture of himself
2: behind, behind
1: barbed wire and between a guard station and a corrections officer. It was described one of the few people to ever see it, a specialist in public relations. Yeah, but that's according to Business Insider. You know, Business Insider is a bit New York posty in that um, New York Post is, is not saying that they're not accurate, because they are, but they're sensational. And when someone says, according to Business Insider, like somebody could have said that this is what they saw and it wasn't totally accurate. Like if you don't have a photo That's of what it. I was
0: trying to look I thought there's going to be photo- more photos right. than this, but they're...
1: I'm sure he right had some there. creepy art. The crazy thing is he had that fucking building that a guy gave him. A guy gave him this, like, $70 million house in Manhattan, this gorgeous house. Like, all these people gave him giant sums of money. Like, th- there's a bunch of CEOs that had to retire because it, it turns out they were giving him, like, $150 million. It's like, why did you give him that right. much money? Because he had you by the balls. Yeah, right? yeah he yeah. had
2: to, Yeah, they had to.
1: He probably said, listen... You're worth $18 billion. What do you give a fuck if you give me $150 Let million? Let me show you this little video yeah. that I have on my phone. If you, you want your you problems. and uh, yeah, a little, 14-year-old uh, yeah, girl. Heavy. Yeah, heavy. 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 Well, this is
2: shit that Alex Jones was telling me about a decade ago. And this is shit that that, that we're talking about, but, I mean, I, I, I feel like this needs to get out. I, I feel like this needs to be covered, and, I mean, I it's, it's too fascinating it, it, with what's happening right now, to, to have people not be able to learn about it, they're keeping this trial as
1: low key as possible for yeah. a giant trafficking trial. It's a, yes. a sex trafficking trial, yeah, and they're keeping it as low profile as is humanly possible.
2: You well, and Maxwell's a fall guy. That. She's yeah. the fall guy for everybody by the by the looks of it. Well, and if she's not, it would be way better to be way more transparent. It but, seems like
1: she was heavily involved. It seems like she was recruiting girls. It well, seems yeah. like, I don't think it was as simple as she's a fall guy. No,
2: I'm not saying that. I'm sa- she, for sure she is, but I think there's way more people involved that are not being brought into it.
1: Right. Yeah, maybe.
2: Well, the, all the, also
1: the question is like, who is she? what is she? Is she intelligence? Is she from a foreign country? Right. Is she, you know, is she Mossad? Like that was the thing about uh, Epstein. Like, is he in the Mossad? Like, what is this? Like, what, who are they compromising people for a specific purpose? Like what's their overall plan? Right.
2: Was it all strategic in some way?
1: the, The people that think that he didn't get murdered are the confusing ones to me. Like, smart. I had Steven Pinker in here, and he was trying to tell me that he thought that Epstein killed himself. I go, what? And, like, P- Pinker had been photographed with him he Wait, he, him. he thought he had killed himself or had he? It... thought he killed himself. And I'm like, no, someone killed that guy. And he's like, oh, I, th- I think he killed himself. Like, Didn't he
2: hang himself off a four foot wall?
1: Whatever he did, the injuries to his neck were not consistent with someone who has been hung, they were consistent with someone who is strangled. Because there was fractures in the neck bones that are consistent with strangulation. Somebody who wraps a fucking rope around your neck and chokes you to death versus someone who's like hanging. Because when you're hanging, all the weight, apparently, according to uh, this guy, Dr. Michael Baden, who's that famous autopsy guy who was on that autopsy show on HBO, he broke it down. Let's see if we can find where he breaks it down. But there's a fracture in one of the neck bones in Jeffrey Epstein that is inconsistent with hanging, but very consistent with strangulation. So it's very common in people that have been like ligatures, where they fucking wrap a wire around your neck or a rope and just choke you to death. And also the ligature marks were down on the lower part of the neck, which is what happens when someone chokes you. Whereas if it was up here, that's what happens when you're hanging. Because when you're hanging, it gets stuck by your jaw and it gets tight there and, and that's what gets you. (laughs)
2: <laughs> well, and Epstein was in a category where it was a real risk that he he would commit suicide, right? Just because of the situation. like it all, And a lot of times with people like him, I think that they have him in like a maximum security, like by themselves in a room that makes it really difficult to kill yourself, right? Dude, everything is wrong. Everything is wrong. And the there's the a wrong. camera
1: that wasn't on. Yeah. You see Michael Baden, Epstein evidence points to homicide. Play it so we can hear what he says. The brother's been asking
0: that
1: from day one. I like how that's music. Do, 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 do. Is that that music or is it music from something else? We're not we don't even know two tabs Can you go to the beginning? Because right in the beginning, I think, is where he explains.
2: And is here to reveal the uh, that the Epstein family needed help.
1: Well, I was asked by the brother, the next of kin, to be at the autopsy. Mm-hmm. And at the autopsy on day one, there were findings that were unusual for suicidal hanging. And more consistent with uh, ligature homicidal. This is what I want, which and, included.
2: And it was suggested at the time that he committed suicide by doing what?
1: By by hanging. Uh, at the time he was found, allegedly hanging by uh, a uh, homemade ligature of sheets.
0: Are you saying you don't think it was suicide?
1: I think that the evidence points toward homicide rather than suicide. Why? Because. There are multiple three fractures in the hyoid bone, the thyroid cartilage that are very unusual for suicide and more uh, uh, indicative of strangulation, homicidal strangulation. Let's take a look at what the medical
2: examiner stated. That's all it was. That's crazy. Yeah.
1: So when I had Pinker on, Pinker was one of those guys that got sucked into that. So he was photographed with uh, Epstein and oh, he, was, wow. he was very un- he was very sorry that he got mixed up with that but like a lot of scientists the guy donated money to science and he enjoyed scientists and hang and they thought probably was a cool thing to do to go yeah. hang out and party and you know but he was like oh i think he killed himself i'm like i don't fucking think he killed himself and that was what a, one of the things that i was pointing yeah. to was baden pointing out that uh it was more consistent with strangulation
2: than it was hanging. If you look at all the factors that had to happen for there to be a question mark on his death, yeah. there's no way you can like, be like a, someone who's thinking clearly and think he, that, he, that he killed himself. He's one of the Zero most chance.
1: important witnesses ever. The most important defendant ever in a case that involves dozens of extremely powerful and extremely wealthy people that may have participated in sex crimes. And there's no guards, and the cameras don't work, and he's hung, but the hanging doesn't match the evidence, which points to strangulation rather than
2: hanging. It's so fucking fishy. Since when do prison guards in a situation like that, just happen to just be like both taking a nap oh, at the sick. Hey, let's both sleep right now. Yeah. Let's do this. Fuck out of here. Those prison guards are either suicided by now or they're driving Lambos and living in like <laughs> Beverly Hills and like monstrous mansions. Yeah,
1: I wonder what they do with those people. Oh, they're toast. Uh, but if you, if you did want to kill the guards. Because the guards knew too much. Like, how would you get away with that?
2: Well, and it's, I feel like it's, it's like a murder pyramid scheme. Yeah. You the have more to keep people murder. you kill, <laughs> the <laughs> more people you have to kill. Yeah. Right? Because those people tell people, yeah, yeah. it's
1: fucked. Uh, that's why. Epstein guards to skirt jail time and deal with prosecutors. Oh, how convenient. Mm-hmm. They're fine. What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't ask any questions. Chill. It's all, stitches, it's all misinformation.
0: It says they admitted to falsifying records, but will not go to jail for that.
1: Oh, wow. they falsified records? Uh-huh. What did they say? Uh, it was uh, not correct.
0: Willfully and knowingly lied on form stating that they made required rounds checking on inmates the night of Epstein's suicide.
1: Wow. The guards were sleeping and surfing the web when they should have been monitoring the maximum security federal prisoner. Hmm. Maybe. Maybe they were.
2: Either way, someone got in that fucking cell and likely strangled the shit out of them. That's like one of the most interesting trials and and situations of our lifetime, yeah. and probably most one of the most important. Yeah, and it's just crazy that nobody's. I don't know. It's just weird to me that we that we can't figure out the details. They're not trying. They're not trying. They're they're actively trying to not let us. Find out anything
1: about it. It's so transparent now how the news has been manipulated, as opposed to you know when we were younger, we used to think oh this is the news, but now because of the internet, because of the amount of access that we have to all these different sources of information, where you know you can read these stories about that, you can see Michael Baden talking about this, and there's so much available on the internet, you can get a much better sense of how much you're getting lied to.
2: Yeah, and it's not good. It's a lot. You actually like if if like the if you actually want the real news it actually kind of takes a lot of effort because there's so much bullshit yeah. out there to cut through and the and the if you're if you're getting your information very easily it's probably all wrong
1: do you feel connected completely to America while you're living in Hawaii cuz Hawaii, let's be honest Hawaii's amazing i love it but it's really not america it's awesome but it's yeah. 5 hours by plane in the middle of the ocean, should it be protected by America? 100. percent. Should it be protected yeah. by the Constitution? 100. percent. But
2: let's be honest, it is—it's an island and it's its own thing. That's that's an interesting question, I, and I I agree. It's 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 different for me because you know uh, I was born in Hawaii, so I just I don't know. I just know it as home, and and you know there's there's a lot of people in Hawaii who don't feel like it's part of America and, and kinda of wish it wasn't. Obviously right. it's nice yeah, to have the protection a, of America. But there's like quite a separatist
1: feel. movement right there. Yeah. Right? Yeah.
2: But I feel like I've I feel like Hawaii is almost like its own country. I think so. Similar to Texas, even though you don't there's no ocean separating Texas and I feel like Texas is its own country. Yeah. It well it at one point in time it was. It has its complete own culture, you know, and its own like, you know, everything about it is is uh I don't know. I feel like once you get to Texas, everything's totally different. The people, the culture, um, and, Hawaii, and Hawaii you. is much like that. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it really is. But it's very, um, you know. I mean, these days it's harder to get into a restaurant in Honolulu than it is. I flew back. I, I flew back from from Mexico back to the states recently, and it was easier for me to get back into the country from Mexico than it was to go to dinner with my wife in Honolulu. Really? Gotta, yeah. Got to show your vaccine passport and all that stuff to get into restaurants in Honolulu. I wonder it's how crazy. long that's going to last.
1: That's I mean, the question. It's like if, if the pandemic slowly dissipates and COVID doesn't is not a thing anymore, how much freedom can we really gain back? And how much will they try to continue to find new ways to put pressure on people, to bend their will, to get them to do this, fill out that? Have some sort of uh, passport system where you have to show that you've been up on all your vaccinations. Did you get your flu shot? Did yeah. you do like? They're not going to just let everything go back to where it was in two
2: thousand eighteen. Isn't that funny how they tell us that there is though? This is like a this is like a temporary situation. It's going to be two weeks to flatten the curve. Uh, we've been we've been told all of it, yeah. and it's crazy because I mean it, there's a you know there's a famous saying that's a. Uh, how does it go? There's, there's nothing more permanent than a temporary government program. And um, it's kind of true. It, feel, it feels like that. It, 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 in this point in time in America, it feels like that. It feels like all these temporary things, these things that are just for the next two weeks or the next month or the, until this happens or that happens. I just, I don't know. Do you remember when
1: there was no breakthrough cases? They were saying it's extremely rare. Yeah. Extremely rare for someone to catch COVID after they've been vaccinated. This is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Yes, it (laughs) is. And now it's completely flipped on its head. I know someone who's been boosted and they just got COVID. Boosted? Have you been boosted? Double vaccinated and boosted and boosted just a few months ago. Caught COVID. Sick as shit. You know, it's like, what the fuck, man? Like, and then the narrative changed for, it doesn't stop you from getting COVID, but it does make it much less likely if you'd be hospitalized or die. Like, oh, okay. And then that became the narrative. Like, that's not what the narrative was. The narrative was, get vaccinated, you don't get COVID. Yeah. And then it changed. I'm wondering what it would take to go back to normal. Like, imagine if something came along, like a pill or something, it's all gone. There's no more COVID. Or it's... A, a non-issue would they let everything go back to the way it was i don't think so i definitely don't think they will in australia i think no. australia's fucked forever i think they're fucked forever the way they're they're treating their people and the way they're responding yeah. the way you know the all the the madness of the lockdowns and what they're apparently doing to indigenous people where they're they're taking these folks and they're they're when they find out people have had contact or when they, they think that they have COVID, they're shipping them off to camps hundreds of kilometers
2: away. They're building those large large COVID camps and arresting yeah. people, taking them away from their families, putting them in the camps. It's, it's messed up. It's co- the people are under total control there. I have a lot of good friends. As you can imagine, I go to Australia a lot, and I love the country, and I have so many good friends there. They're, they're, they're just baffled. It's baffling because it's like unrecognizable. The
1: country and the government is unrecognizable to what it was two years ago. I have quite a few friends that live in Australia that are moving. Uh, One of my buddies has moved to New Zealand. He's like, I got to get the fuck out of here. And that's like the easiest way for me to get out is go to New Zealand.
2: Yeah. I have a lot of friends who moved to America from Australia because they're just too heavy at what's happening in Australia. (laughs) And if you fly there as a resident, you fly back there, you're not leaving for a very long time. Yeah. You you have a two two week quarantine, right? Yeah, And you can't get out of there. (sighs)
1: <sighs> and heavy. then you know there's this omicron shit you know they're they're saying oh you need a booster you need a booster you know what they found out about omicron there's been virtually no deaths they might have attributed one death to omicron how of all the people that got it all the hysteria the cases are all mild they're all mild one person they attributed who's who died from it and i want to know what was wrong with that person i want to know what when they say one death attributed to it Say what they looked like. Tell me how much they weighed. How old were they? Yeah. What other comorbidities did they have? This this seems like fuckery. You're telling people to get another shot for something that doesn't even—it's not worse than
2: a cold. When you watch the news, Omicron is like the evil, just this crazy, like. It's terrifying, right? If you watch yeah. the news and sit there, it's just, oh my God, we're screwed. It's Omicron yeah. thing, it's taking over the world. Just hundreds of millions of, of of cases and all this stuff, and you're never once told that it's way less deadly. All you're told is it's way more contagious. Contagious, yeah. It's crazy. And we talked about this earlier, but, you know, this morning we're we're hanging. But um, think of all the like like in my friend group, I know so many people that have been vaccinated. And I and I'm friends with a lot of people, that know that the best thing you can do to not die if you get COVID is to not be fat, not have diabetes, not like there's certain things that you control with life with, with with lifestyle choices that can make you a whole lot healthier and a lot stronger against COVID. And I know a lot of people who are overweight; they haven't lost a single pound. Yeah. All they did is get vaccinated, thinking they're completely healthy and and well. Not only that, know, they've they've, they've so shown strange to me. if people pay attention to it. Pull up that thing
1: that shows what's wrong with obese people when it comes to COVID and antibodies. There's actually a condition that happens with obese people and COVID where their body does not product, uh, process or produce antibodies correctly. I forget exactly what the, the, the term of it is. We'll, we'll pull it up real quick and we'll find but out. They would,
2: but they I watch the news all the time and they never say, hey, by the way, like, it's extremely important America. that America. Let's yeah. get healthier. Yeah. Like what are you doing to like like let's all make better lifestyle choices? Let's get healthier. Let's get like but that's not what the news's job is.
1: The news's job is to scare the fuck out of you so you keep tuning in. Yeah. The news's yeah. job is not to give you good advice so that you have a better more prosperous and healthy life. Do you find the thing on the Well, it
2: also doesn't help that the news is oh, something Weirder, but... Weirder? Subsidized and financed by the companies like that the- are making these things.
1: Yeah, this is it. Obesity increases likelihood of peak COVID-19 antibody levels after... And what? Yeah, what is this?
2: That's what I'm saying. It's-
1: when is this? Oh, this is May of 2021. That, so that's saying they have more antibodies?
0: Right. That's what I was trying... This is fucking...
1: That's weird. not true. The newest stuff it's that they like found... And- uh, obesity, COVID, antibodies... What is that one right there? The majority of SARS-CoV-2 specific antibodies. Click on that. Is that it? Mm-hmm. Scroll up.
0: There's a lot of information in there. I don't.
1: Yeah, I think this is it. The majority of SARS-CoV-2 specific antibodies in COVID-19 patients with obesity are autoimmune and not neutralizing. This is it. So what it says is obesity decreases the secretion of SARS-CoV-2 specific antibodies in the blood of patients. Um, How obesity impacts the quality of the antibody secreted, however, is not understood. Therefore, the objective of the study is to evaluate the presence of neutralizing versus autoimmune antibodies in COVID-19 patients with obesity. So essentially what they're saying is uh, what one of the papers that I was reading about this was that people that are obese, their body just does not produce what's necessary to fight it off. That's why all these folks that are uh, well, hospitalized, like I'll, at one point in time it was like 78% of the people in the ICU were obese. I thought this were, were going
0: to go after. This so another you think
1: one. That's- This is a new one. This is a new one. The coronavirus attacks fat tissue, scientists find, so this is another compounding issue. So the research may help explain why people who are overweight and obese have been at a higher risk of severe illness and death from COVID. So the uh, coronavirus uh, loves fatties. Mm. That's what it's saying. So it's just two different things, but both of them compounding to say that it's just terrible to be overweight and
2: to have COVID. And yet no one's telling you that. I I feel like that that information is extremely important, especially in America, where we have such an obesity problem. Yeah, I mean, but, like like half half of our country in a lot of states is obese, and those,
1: no one wants a fat shame. They're scared. Yeah, that's scared. fucked up, though, because it's, <laughs> I
2: feel like it's it's uh it's so important that the people. I mean, it's just it's crazy that you can tell all these people that all you need is a vaccination and you're you're good to go. Yeah, but these people are you know, oh. most people eat like shit. Yeah. That's what the problem is. It's too
1: easy to eat like shit. Like today we were driving. Remember we passed by McDonald's. Like, man, it draws you in. You feel like it. Maybe we should just go to McDonald's. Slip in there and get a nice filet of fish and order a fries and a large Coke. Ah, oh, it would be delicious. Imagine when that fish was caught. Years ago. If it's <laughs> even a fish. Yeah. It could be anything. It could be a rat. <laughs> but this fucking, the, the problem is it's like that's where most people eat. Like yeah. what? Are the, what's the percentage? Okay, let's let's Google this. What percentage of people's meals are from fast food? The average American. What percentage of their meals are fast food? I'm gonna say forty. When's the last time you ate a McDonald's? About a year ago, I think. What'd you have? Filet fish. I love those. They're delicious. <laughs> I think. It, oh, it was a podcast I did with Tim Dillon and.
2: Uh, Alex Jones.
1: Yeah, during the election. Yeah, we ate a bunch of uh, filet of fishes. Oh, wow. They were delicious.
2: Oh, that was Kyle Kalinske. That was my go to when I was a kid. Filet of fish whenever I would go to McDonald's, which wasn't super often, but. Yeah, filet of fish is delicious. It's straight garbage. It's gnarly. (laughs) So gnarly.
1: But let's take a guess. What percentage of Americans, uh, like the average American, what percentage of their meals comes from fast food? 20%. 20%? I say 40. Jamie, what do you say? Uh, well, I'm already looking at it. But just take a guess. I can't. Uh okay, you're cheating. <laughs> I'm staring at the information. If you were if you weren't going to cheat, what would you say? I don't know. Okay, tell me what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie's like, what? I'm like, what <laughs> you mean? Just make up a, a lie, he's, he's honest. That's it's <laughs> yeah, a that's test. Good. I like yeah. it. you're
2: not. Oh, I guess like 37.
0: Guess what? It turns out 37 percent of Americans eat fast food
2: every day. Wow, you were close, Joe. <laughs> that's pretty. That's good. way higher than I thought. That's yeah. So crazy, it's straight poison. People are putting in their bodies. That's a lot. That's so messed up. That's a lot. I won't let my kids. It's a, a lot of meals, man. It's a lot of meals. I'm not. I'm not only picking out. McDonald's but none of that shit
1: we'll eat it occasionally for a goof you know like if maybe we're on a road trip or something like that and everyone's starving and we're like pull in daddy pull in like okay and we'll pull in you know what I do like Popeye's fried chicken oh my god I love Popeye's I feel like
2: that's still chicken and it's still normal it's just frozen like you know what I mean like well it's gnarly though
1: there was some This gnarly (laughs) is a funny word there's some parts (laughs) of it some food is
2: gnarly yeah gnarly. gnarly
1: It's deep fried in some funky oil for sure. It's not like healthy for me. Wingstop's pretty good. Is it? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, I will go Wingstop from time to time. Popeye's
1: red beans and rice, though, is pretty fucking
2: good. I was traveling with my my kid and a couple of his buddies during COVID, and it was like we had to be responsible and be locked down in our own little zone, and we were doing a surf trip, and we did a lot of DoorDash, and we did some Wingstop.
1: Yeah? Good stuff?
2: Yeah. Lemon pepper. Lemon pepper
1: 10-piece. I think- People's ability to get food that easy was a giant mistake. And I think if you think about the obesity problem in this country... All right, let's guess this. I kind of used to know the answer, but I forgot it. I think it's more than 50% of Americans are obese. That's crazy. I think it's something like that. Did you you get fat um, at all during COVID? No. Yeah? No. I mean, I got maybe five pounds
2: overweight at the most. A lot of people got fat during COVID though, right? Because yeah, I have a gym. A lot of people don't now. have home
1: gyms. Yeah. Home gym is giant, but also I'm like so accustomed to working out, whether
2: it's running yeah. hills or it keeps you sane. Yeah yeah, you, yeah. 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 I, I, makes I, I, you a I better person. To, I have to work out. How much of a dick are you if you don't exercise?
1: Well, I just, um, I'm, i anxious and i don't feel good Yeah, and i'm stressed and even if i'm not a dick i just don't feel good i feel like shit and when i'm yeah. when i work out i feel so light and relaxed you know i just feel so good
2: um stress.
1: but let's guess what percentage i used to know the number but i want to say it's more than 50% of americans are over, over obese
0: take a uh, make a delineation between obese and overweight cuz there's two different numbers that i got for it okay
1: well According to body mass index, I'm obese. Yeah, that's a weird thing. Yeah, because I'm short, but I weigh 200 heavier, pounds. So I'm supposed to be like 160 or something like
2: 1. Isn't that weird? It's such a bad so way dumb. to measure somebody's so health. So stupid. So stupid. So. And that's like an important yeah. metric for like health insurance and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so dumb.
0: Adults over the age of 20... Uh, 40% are obese. Wow. 71.6% are at least overweight and (sighs)
1: obese. 71% are overweight. Wow. So essentially almost three quarters of America is overweight.
2: (laughs) That's just genetics, man. You can't do anything about yeah, it, it's a man. disease. Yeah, it's
1: like it's not your fault. <laughs> it's not your fault, man. It's not your it has fault. It nothing to do with you. Hey, dude, if that many people are overweight, maybe it's just natural.
2: Yeah. Okay. We are not meant to be okay. obese. You human ever see a human photo? beings were not meant to be obese. We no. weren't.
1: Have you ever seen a photo of the beach from like 1940? Yeah. Before processed food? It's wild. Yeah, it's crazy. It